Give me oil for my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Yeah, yeah. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. Hallelujah. <laughs> Give, okay, let's <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Chicago's overrated. Yeah. Oh my god. You guys up. hate musicals. You just fucking hate <laughs> no, musicals. No, but Chicago I hate. I know, you love Sound of Music and everything. Yeah, I like uh, the older musicals. I think I'm already in love with La La Land, even though I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not the musical itself. I have very specific reasons to hate Chicago that we can get into okay, here. Okay, well, uh, I, I, I will... <laughs> Sorry, I yeah, jumped the gun. <laughs> yeah, you, you jumped the gun, motherfucker. We do that all the um, time now. Like, we never get through an intro <laughs> anymore. That's right. <laughs> But anyway, uh, if you haven't guessed yet, we are continuing our <laughs> series of best of the years we've been alive, and today it's 2002. He had it coming. He had it coming. There's some good in this world, Mr. Fertile, and it's worth fighting for. Shut up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut! 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 Shut up! I love gold. Um, so 2002, let's go ahead and talk about Chicago right. since you brought it up and it was best picture of 2002. Uh, somehow beating Gangs of New York, which was, I believe, everybody's favorite because Scorsese hadn't won yep. and they thought this was going to be his year. And then for whatever reason, Miramax like said, nah, let's uh, get some, some way somehow to give everybody awards this year. Shower <laughs> Chicago in awards. Yeah. And they give Chicago, did, I'm trying to. Or did he, was this another split director year? Yeah, Roman Polanski won for The Pianist. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Um, Fuck that movie, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of those things where, like, yeah, Chicago won Best Picture, then they gave director Roman Polanski. Yeah. If you put piano in the title, uh, is the Academy, like, are they forced to... Like, I think so. I think so. It's, I don't get it. It's part of their bylaws. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Chicago, um, I like this movie. You guys hate hate it. I hate it with the fiery passion. You hate it that much? I hate it so bad. Okay, so you know when you go to the theater before the trailers, sometimes you'll see like those shitty trailers that are like, used to be slides, now it's like digital content and promoting first look at this NBAC yeah. show or whatever. Mm. Somewhere in there you'll see an ad for this musical you've never heard of, an opera that's taking Broadway by storm, Fathom Events presents, and then you're supposed to buy a ticket to go to a movie theater yeah. and sit in an auditorium and watch a goddamn stage play, <laughs> that's Chicago. <laughs> Chicago is, let's let's do a stage performance, strategically set up a few cameras, and then make people watch a play. Yeah, but what mm. those sets are amazing, though. I don't give a rat's ass about that. <laughs> I'm talking about... Okay, I get it. We have created an evil hybrid of a stage play and a movie here. I get it. It's not organic how they come into their exactly. songs. I get that. But... I love a lot of the songs in here, and I love how they play. Like the the Richard Gere, you know, "Reach for the Gun" song, uh -huh. and that whole <laughs> that whole thing that's staged there is awesome to me. And yeah. I think Renee Zellweger, who's basically just playing a puppet yeah. in that, it does a great job in there as well. 
Um, and then, uh, then there's the, I love the Mr. Cellophane, oh, John, God. John C. <laughs> Riley. And right after he sings it, Richard Gere's like, Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> just, I, that's just, that's what Chicago was to me is that it's, it's got that kind of fun stuff. You're right. Totally not organic. It's total bullshit the way they get into these songs, but I was able to overlook that. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole conceit of musicals in the play but that's what you're not liking right is that no is that this is the cinematic representation of a musical that you would be better off seeing just on stage yes i'm saying like i think most musicals struggle to organically go into the songs Mm -hmm. right uh that's not what necessarily uh, and again i could be talking out of my ass because i saw chicago one time and hated it and have never gone back but i remember everything from the lighting to the the sets being like it felt like a stage like half the courtroom shot would be in black like there's a yeah. curtain behind them that you couldn't see that's what i'm talking about is that you give me a film they can break into song all they want but show me a movie don't show me the filmed version of a stage play yeah that's totally that's the what aesthetic crazy. Here. yeah and i don't hate it actually mm-hmm. i i think it's it's annoying i don't like it mm-hmm. i actually don't like the music actually and this was a originally like a bob fosse play wasn't it I think so yeah um and the music seems like kind of just the worst of pop music to me because it's so repetitive and it's so just kind of mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not like a big ornate musical that, I, that I'm kind of used to but uh, they're very catchy the whole tango scene of they didn't do it or I didn't yeah, do it yeah 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 is really winning and and Richard Gere's performance he's is so awesome. great I mean, he's nominated dance, that tap dance scene is fucking awesome man yeah yeah I, you know, the best part about the whole movie is that final number where Richard Gere realizes Ed Norton was faking yeah the multiple personalities the whole time and then he breaks into song yeah I love that <laughs> I love that number <laughs> that was awesome but like yeah out of that was the weirdest thing to me when she. Chicago was lavished with all these nominations. Richard Gere did not get nominated out of all that's that. insane. And then he's they were he's, still mad about Doctor T and the women. I think so. I think I think everybody should still be pissed off about Doctor T and the women. Even Robert Altman from his grave is pissed off about that movie. Um, all right, let's talk about the number one movie of two thousand two, which was Spider Man. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Spider Man. Boy, what a home run this was! A huge home like, run. People who are teenagers today. They have it pretty good if they're superhero movie fans, right? But the one-two punch back in 2001 was X-Men? Yeah, 2000 was X-Men. 2000 X-Men, and then 2002 with Spider-Man. And then in a couple years, we get Batman Begins, and... All of us comic book fans were like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. We're getting good comic or comic book movies." Because at that point, we had just basically had Batman, who had only ever done anything on film, and they ran that shit into the ground creatively. Uh, but this was a huge home run, I think. Yeah, they they finally decided we're going to get some you know established directors, even though Singer for X-Men wasn't hugely established. Yeah. You know, he, Usual Suspects was his main thing. I mean, he did apt pupil or yeah. whatever, but but like they, they got these indie directors to start doing it. And it's not, I feel like it's different though from what they're doing now where one guy does one movie and then they're like, he's instantly doing Star Wars or whatever. Yeah. Sam Raimi had a long career before yeah. this came up and like already was a legend. And then- he shows that he can do stuff like this, yeah. And he puts his his Sam Raimi style in it, especially yeah. like Spider Man Two, where I thought he really went like for it and everything. But yeah, so fun. But there are a lot of people who still don't like this movie either. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't think it's 
Spider-Man 2 is better, mm-hmm. uh, and 3 is terrible, um, although I like that more than most. But there's really nothing wrong with this film, unless you just really hate origin stories, because there is it's a good hour or more into the film before he's doing Spider-Man-y yeah. things. Um, and, you know, the, the bully plot line is a little cliche. Of course, most comic book origin stories yeah, have yeah. pulled from cliches. Tobey Maguire really winning in this. I think the people who don't like it are those Spider-Man purists who are just never happy with anybody's portrayal of Spider-Man. <laughs> what do they want? They He's want... not funny enough. Or like That was the big knock on Tobey Maguire, was yeah. he, his Spider-Man wasn't wisecracking enough, even though he has that let mom and dad talk moment in the yeah. newspaper office or whatever. And then you get Andrew Garfield comes along later, who I thought was great too, d- definitely more snarky and whatever, and then we, now we have Tom Holland doing even more of that. But I, I think that's where that backlash comes from, because the movie itself is it's really solid. Yeah. I, I don't find a lot I of I think so too. I think it's re- Yeah, I think so too. It's just one of those that... We we finally got into uh, an era where they were sort of taking these a little bit more seriously yeah. than they were. Not like serious, like oh yeah, we got we're, we this Batman Begins is when that starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but more along the lines of let's make this like a real movie, like not yeah. just you know this Batman Forever, Batman and Robin stuff, which mm. we were used to at the point. Well, and this was still back in the day when a movie breaking a box office record opening weekend like meant something. Yeah. It wasn't going to be replaced next weekend by the next big movie. Mm. Like, because Spider-Man crushed records. Yeah. To the point where Entourage made a whole running gag yeah. about it with yeah. the yeah. Water, uh, Aquaman movie. Yeah. Fuck um, you, Toby! Yeah. It, 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 it was huge opening. Um, all I also, all, the only other thing I can remember that I don't think is worth sharing is that they shot that whole trailer that had the twin towers and yeah. reflection of his eyepiece and they pulled it after 9-11 so very few people got to see it but that was that's one of those rare where they actually shot a whole bunch of extra footage for the trailer ne- never was intended to be in the movie mm-hmm. i love when that kind of thing happens because you really feel like the people behind it have gotten into the spirit of things yeah. at that point yeah um you can still see it these days because i think youtube has right. every illegal video in the world <laughs> yeah. uh, but for a long time you didn't get to experience that if you hadn't seen it that first couple of weeks yeah that perspective of the web swinging yeah uh man that was like nothing you've ever seen before though and yeah it was like, now it's just kind of old hat but like that whole pov shot of him just like the rises and the falls of it was oh. just awesome to watch i yeah. remember when they came out with the actual trailers people were like the special effects look horrible i don't want to watch this blah 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 mm. and then people were you know, they said well you know it's not finished yet or whatever and calm down <laughs> i need you to calm down sir <laughs> and, one of my uh, big complaints about the modern marvel movies is how they all run together the, from the score like mm-hmm. but spider-man that the trilogy has this great theme yeah uh, danny elfman did danny it all, elfman right? yeah and that <laughs> and it's one of the last great memorable superhero themes i think the dark knight theme is memorable but it's basically just and that's not really music all right uh i guess continue this is this may be the one, one of the years where we started seeing, you know, Jeremy just said something about how the, you know, these box office records were being shattered. This was the beginning of that happening all the time. The, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, you look at some of the movies that came out in 2002, it's, it's crazy how many crossed 200 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have a lot of huge franchise type movies in 2002. And I think this is the beginning of where we're at now it's been old hat for a while but yeah. this is where it started so you had lord of the rings the two towers came out yep 
still considered i think i i like this the best out of all the lord of the rings me yeah. too i do too yeah um i don't know if we're in the majority on that um i always feel like i am but that's probably just because i'm cocky and selfish <laughs> i think this is the most emotional one and like it's just got so many i mean that the, the sean Aston thing at the end where oh yeah he's going through is like you know the talking about the tales being told mm-hmm. and all that it's just i've always that really always wraps me up into that movie so well and there's so many great things into towers helms deep and yeah and the and gandalf the white yeah. and uh you know there's just a million things in this that yeah it's not the end of the story but it's also got the meat of it it's got all of you know it's got all the stuff i remember from lord of the rings in it yeah. pretty much and one of the most needlessly quotable lines ever when um legolas says this forest is old <laughs> very old <laughs> and it's one of the silliest moments in a movie i love but i still squeeze that into everyday life like yeah. this wine is good very good <laughs> no it's got all it's got all of the things because as you were talking about last week they're they're setting this whole thing up right. with with fellowship and then they go so over the top with you know stretching it out and everything in in the return of the king and it actually almost parodies two towers because each battle scene has to be bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. And it's like, you already got Helm's Deep and you already got all this stuff. Like, this is, it's like uh, Empire Strikes Back. It's the second one in the series stands out the most. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, just a just an overall enjoyable movie, um, and uh, it gets nominated again. Does not win. They're mm. they're basically waiting to shower Return of the King <laughs> with all the awards. So um, anyway, what else, guys? What do you want to talk about? Uh, catch me if you can. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, love this movie. I freaking love. Like I love it. The music is incredible. One of yeah. the most unique John Williams scores you'll hear. Uh, Leo, not an old man yet. Not a not a grown man yet, yeah. but but just old enough to pull off what this character has to pull off. But acting chops wise, he's all the way there. Yeah, supporting cast outstanding. Yeah, uh, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, uh, everybody's great in this movie. It's charming, it's fun, uh, it has heartfelt moments. Like there at the end when he's arrested, looking in, seeing oh, this yeah. other kid that his mom has had, having the life that he never got to have. Uh, I freaking love it. I think it's nearly flawless. Yeah, I'm the same way about this. That scene where he and Hanks meet for the first time, yeah. he, he hands over the wallet and all oh, that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, that's a master class. Yeah, you know, that's, that's just so much fun to watch. Well, and the balls on that guy. <laughs> yeah. The balls to do that and to just immediately flip the switch and know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. To come out of the bathroom and acting like you're this agent. <laughs> yeah. Handing over the, the damning evidence wallet, just hoping he's not going to well, look. What's great about that is you can see is that he knows that he doesn't expect it to, to work. Yeah, he doesn't expect <laughs> it to work. Mirror, yeah. It's like, yeah, let's just let's just try this, see what happens, and it worked. Yeah, and uh, and like, yeah, man, you're talking about it's a the score is amazing. The um, this is one of those movies they were in that type of movies. Amy Adams, Elizabeth Banks, yep. uh, Jennifer Garner. There's like so yeah. many people that just show up. The in girl this. from Grey's Anatomy. I always forget her name. Ellen Pompeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, it's just an entertaining, just well done. One of Spielberg's best. I don't know if very many people talk about it though. No, it's one of those. It's it's oddly fantastic for a movie that people seem to have forgotten about it's just like terminal with tom hanks and Mm -hmm. that was a spielberg movie right but people just forgot that happened and it's not the kind that shows up on tv a lot so it doesn't come up in conversations very much uh but uh 
it probably got nominated for several awards. I would guess. I don't the remember best, like, how much maybe it, or it, I don't remember how much it got nominated for because this was a weird year for like uh, you know you had DiCaprio in this and Gangs of New York. You yeah. had Spielberg doing this and Minority Report. You know it, it's it it. I don't know. It was just one of those weird years where a lot of stuff I felt like got overlooked because somebody was in another movie and they wanted yeah. to, to do that movie yeah. or whatever. Um, it uh, got nominated for two Oscars and that was for best actor in a supporting role, Christopher Walken and the score. Okay. Yeah. Good. Those are both worthy. Yeah. I, thought, I, I don't always like love Walken, but he's really endearing to me in this movie, even though he's a total loser. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, you know, his wife's cheating on him. How'd yeah. you pass the bond, Louisiana, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, well, we could go one of two ways here. We can go Gangs of New York and stay on Leo, or we can go Minority Port and stay on Spielberg. Let's go Gangs of New York. All right. I love this movie. Yeah. I think this is a terrific movie, and I think it's even overlooked. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, when you have Scorsese and Leo and Daniel Day-Lewis just batting a thousand in this whole thing. I guess it's it's maybe just the context of it is is weird a period piece, but it's so big. It it's, feels enormous to me. I think the thing that happened with Gangs of New York it happened to me because when I first watched this, first off I fell asleep because I I uh, was was at the, <laughs> was at a movie I was at my at Hollywood twenty seven. I'd just gotten back and I was not used to the midnight watching movies. Uh -huh. Like um, I think I think I yeah this was coming back after a year or something like that. I had been at uh, another theater before this, but uh, when I came back, Gangs of New York was one of the first movies I watched, and it was like midnight, one o'clock or something. <laughs> and it's three hours. Yeah, no, it's long. And then I sat there and watched it, and it was about you know I was watching it with this other guy, and and then he turned to me to say something. I was like sitting there, just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just sleeping. But then you know, watching it later, like oh yeah, this is good, but. DiCaprio in this kind of an adult role was kind of off-putting yeah. at first. Well, especially when you compare it to, to Catch Me If You Can, because he's playing like a 19-year-old. Yeah. Right? Frank Abney, Abney yeah. He's a high school I, student. I yeah. still felt like DiCaprio was still super young at the time, mm. even though at the time he was like 28 years old mm. or whatever. But like, uh, I felt like, I feel like, uh, you know, I guess 28 though 28 is still like way too young and he's got the baby face he's anyway. got that yeah, baby yeah. face and it's and I just wasn't buying him in this role mm. I still don't think I do but oh, really? but but Daniel Day is so good in this and somehow did not win the Oscar for this oh, my God. it's the bar none the best performance of this year oh yeah I mean and that's insane it's he, nuanced he's he's menacing man yeah oh, I love it yeah and it's got he's got such great dialogue that he he gets to say in this yeah. too as as a bad bill the butcher you know <laughs> um but uh but yeah this is uh uh, Scorsese is definitely on a track here where he's like, I want to win the Oscar. He's like, he's like, he comes out with this and the aviator and the aviator's like, like, so going for the Oscar. Like, you're like, come on, man. <laughs> sleeping score, sleeping landscape. Yeah. What do you want from me? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but no, I, you know, w watching it later on, I, I, I really have grown to appreciate games yeah. of New York. Um, but then we have Minority Report, the other Spielberg movie, which I love the this movie to pieces. Yeah, I oh, still yeah. love it. It's a little, it's, I'd say it's about 10% too washed out for me, color-wise. Mm, yeah, that's and true. I know that's part of what he's going for. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I ultimately think it detracts a little bit from the story he's trying to tell. But uh, this movie has five or six 
little great set pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Like the car factory chase and fight. Yeah. You got the, my, I can't see because I just had eye transplant surgery, but yeah. I have to hide from mechanical spiders in the water. Oh. Uh, and that shot. Yeah, that shot. Above, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I love this movie still to this day. I don't understand why this and War of the Worlds are often looked at as lesser Spielberg movies because I enjoy them both a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I would, if, if I were to, I wouldn't lump them together. That's the thing. I that just lump I, them together because they came out close, and the people don't seem to like them. Yeah, well, I mean Tom Cruise and Spielberg collaboration. Yeah, but I can see you not liking War of the World. Yeah, yeah. I can't see you not liking Minority yeah, Report. Yeah, these Minority Report has, like you said, so many great, like just you know, set pieces in it, and it, and of course, it's a Philip K. Dick thing. So there's a lot of these things in there that are like, holy shit, this is very prescient. Like, yeah. Like the going through the mall and the the things reading your retinas and saying, hey, last time you came in here, you liked uh, getting a sweater, you know, and all that stuff. I'm like, shit, we are not really (laughs) that close to that. Yeah. And uh, I see those ads pop up from Google. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You look something up and then go to Facebook and then suddenly you've got all those ads in there. You're like, come on, come on. It's happening. Yeah. So so many of that stuff like that. And then plus, it's such a satisfying murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way it went down at the end, I mean, like, like that is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And uh, and I just love this movie to pieces. So if people don't like this, that's their own fault. They need to go and watch it again because it's really good. You know, I guess we're going to differ here in a couple of podcasts when we talk about War of the Worlds. <laughs> Probably. I'm getting that impression. No, no. I liked War of the Worlds. Oh, OK. But I can see why you n- wouldn't like it. I see um i that movie is completely different from minority report to me of course also minority report uh is the orgy of evidence yes uh, line (laughs) that we came up you know you have do that in probably a hundred videos at least well and it's uh his kind of big huge movie debut for colin farrell yeah yeah um yeah it's just great if you haven't seen it you like sci-fi you like adventures uh you like future like there's so much cool future tech in yeah. this movie the little self-propelling cars that go vertically and then you know all zipper the lanes come together perfectly yeah. to make one lane I just i love it there's two moments in movies that have because of screaming have put my hairs the hairs on my arms on end and this is one of them. The other one is The Forgotten, which is a movie that has been forgotten. <laughs> but uh but uh the uh in Minority Report, Samantha Morton going Run! Uh, yeah. just uh, like oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like you, it really is visceral. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I can't talk of. I mean, this movie's great. It I don't is. like anybody like, could not like this movie. Yeah, uh, let's go to the next one. Can we talk about City of God? I love me some fucking City of God, yeah. man. It's um, genius. Yeah, this came out in three different years according to the research I did. <laughs> right? It did so. Yeah, so City of God, uh, for the 2003 Academy Awards, Mm. it was up against Return of the King and all those movies. So for American audiences, it's basically 2003. Although the IMDb likes to do this thing where it's like, well, it had its its a wide opening on February 2004, and that's just annoying. (laughs) It's just annoying. The IMDb is annoying on years. Uh, But this came out in 2002. I'm I'm going to assume in Brazil it came out in 2002. Uh, or maybe some other countries down in South America or whatever. But, like, 
um city of god i've been on record on this and this is kind of like uh jeremy's matrix here like this is gonna get my vote i don't really care that <laughs> you you know i'm not gonna make this a suspenseful thing i've i've been i've been very vocal about how much i love this movie and how it's the best one i've seen in this new millennium how how would you characterize this movie it, it immediately came to me that it would be like a brazilian tarantino movie mm-hmm. um that was somewhat more brutal uh in fact not even somewhat more brutal epically more brutal. shot kind of documentary style yeah but then it's got all and, the, but it, yeah. the little pieces that come together and then it all like ties and into an, a circle at it's the an end. epic and yeah. and uh and you know it's it you know it starts off with these kids and they're going they're in the slums of of uh, rio de janeiro and they this is how their this is how their lives are this is how they you know they learn how to be the way they are and then like years later they're they're the kingpins yeah. they're the the people do in charge of all this type of stuff there is so many great scenes in this i just i can't even really begin to st- i mean everything about this movie is so good um but i love there's a part in there where there's like a a guy the main bad guy goes in and, and it's uh it's his i think it's little zay uh-huh. they, they change they go in he goes in and he uh he he doesn't kill this one dude he doesn't kill that guy and he and he goes over knock and, out and he, knock out ned yeah, yeah. he's like he's like uh he it, there's a point where the narration says then he began to wonder why he didn't kill that guy and he goes <laughs> and he goes why didn't I kill that guy? <laughs> well, yeah, the guy actually said, like, why didn't he kill me? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 you know what? Like, you're right. Yeah. Uh, that's um, awesome. But it's uh, it's it's an epic, and, and there's uh, you know there's an actress in here, Alice Braga, who's mm-hmm. gone on to do uh, a whole bunch of stuff after this. Like, uh, uh, Elysium was one of her main mm-hmm. like uh, movies that we've seen from her. But um, but yeah, this is like Tarantino doing a documentary and a foreign film at the same time but it's great crime epic stuff it's it's just it's as good as the godfather yeah i mean it's good fellas tarantino yeah. brazil like all that kind of mashed together with with a lot of it's a tough movie to watch because there's a lot of violence in this yeah but man it it it's awesome it's great yeah i i, I and i you know i don't want to say too much about it because this is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it you need to sort of watch this organically. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like... Well, and the, the poster is so misleading because the top of it is just, you know, the girl and the guy sitting on the beach. Yeah. And, you know, okay, on the bottom, then there's the gangs and everything. But it's like, oh, this is like a nice Brazilian landscape looking out of the ocean. It's yeah. It's that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, City of God, huge recommend. You know I'm going to vote for it. I think it should win in 2003 and 2004 as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 2003, the ridiculous thing about this movie is that it has some of the best editing you've ever seen. Mm. And uh, somehow Return of the King, which is, you know, seven hours long, somehow won it for best editing. You know, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> like okay, I can see there's more to editing than making it shorter. Uh, it, you know, I can understand that, but did you see city of God's editing? It's amazing. It's like just brutally amazing. So how about, uh, let's completely sh- switch gears and go with adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is one of those Charlie Kaufman stories that just, it's never easy to explain to someone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, trying to adapt a book about an orchid. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage writes himself into his own screenplay. 
his twin brother who lives with him who doesn't actually exist yeah finds all this he exists in in the movie but not yeah, in real life not in real life he, uh, he, Kaufman doesn't have a brother uh he starts having all this wild success with his screenwriting yeah um <laughs> It's Chris Cooper. Yeah, Chris yeah, Cooper. Chris Cooper's in it. Uh, God, I, I, it's Meryl such Street. a weird, trippy. It's like trying to describe being John Malkovich. Yeah, right? it kind of is because it's it's about his notoriously. It's no. I mean, they gave him this uh, Susan Orleon Orlean book or whatever is this Orleon or Orlean? I can't remember. I don't know which one. But it was called the Orchid Thief. The Orchid, the Orchid Thief. Thief yeah. That's right. And uh, and they got him to try to adapt it or whatever. So the story goes. I mean, it's the 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 book was not a movie esque book at all. It was just about how Susan Orleon went down and like learned about this guy and then wrote a book about it. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like anything. But so like the movie is about the struggles he has in adapting it. Right. And makes that into the movie yeah you know so it's so there you talk about meta it's like as meta as it gets you know yeah. it's just one of those things um but yeah this is one of those movies i point to when people say you know well nicholas cage is awful and all yeah. this other type of stuff he is great in this yeah. he'll do matchstick men next year mm -hmm. and he's he's every once in a while he's got something where he's awesome in it and he's awesome in this oh he's fantastic in this yeah. especially the interplay between the two brothers yes. Like, yes i just wrote myself into my own screenplay yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's weird isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and i love the line his brother does where he talks about he's got a car chase uh with a horse in it so it's like car versus horse yeah 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 um, i probably just butchered that quote well yeah he goes through a whole bunch of different little things in that line but that's the end of it it's like car versus horse um but yeah it's uh it's just uh that's a fun that's a fun movie because just this is a yeah an impossible task to adapt this thing and then he turns it into this wonderful thing another collaboration with spike jones by the way this is uh spike jones also um doing his thing he's he's just uh He's great, you know, and yeah. we're especially working with Kaufman material. They work perfectly together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also coming out in 2002, M. Night Shyamalan Signs. <laughs> Probably um, this was a tremendously huge hit. Uh -huh. It was. And I don't think it's bad. It's just showing, it's showing his tendencies. It is... It's tipping its hand for what's to come. Yes. But I enjoy this movie. Yeah. I do think the whole connect twist thing at the end is ludicrous it's as hell. It's awful. And I do think the water glasses are telegraphed way too much. Yeah. What I like about this movie is that it, it was one of the first big budget, big cast movies to come along about an alien invasion that just focused on one tiny little farm family mm. and not the White House blowing up and yeah. the jet pilot shooting at the... UFOs. So we just get to experience this whole worldwide co potential catastrophe from the perspective of these people in this one home. Um, and again, really strong performances from the child actors. Yeah, uh, the whole cast is, is great. Always great with yeah. that. Uh, I think really good tense tension building in this movie. The first time they see the shadowy alien on the roof and go out and try and find him, and he jumps several yeah. stories yeah. and disappears into the corn or then the the cupboard scene when he goes to m knight's house yeah and, uh just almost willing himself to peek right yeah. and at first he starts out like a cop like 
We know about you and your friends in the <laughs> rooms. If you come out now, you won't be arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, at this point, it's abundantly clear they're aliens. Yeah. Already, the news is showing the bird flying into nothing and dropping to the ground. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot to like here. I really do. But it is not his best work. It's my third favorite Shyamalan. Yeah, he, he's, this is the movie where I feel like Shyamalan really really wanted you to see how good he was mm. that was why signs didn't you know why i don't think it's a bad movie i mean he's he's obviously trying things that that are cool that don't get into like big huge alien blockbusters but you know the scene where they're at the table and the camera like moves over slowly yeah. to this person <laughs> and then they talk and then the other person it goes slowly back and talks to that person and then you know all that but yeah, there's some there's some genuine moments in here that are good. Like you said, the one on the roof. There's that uh, the the video that the like the children in South America are watching yeah. or whatever. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's creepy moments like that. Sort of like Shyamalan's, I guess, Close Encounter slash Poltergeist. And mm -hmm. Poltergeist. Uh, the reason why I bring up Poltergeist is because of how slow and quiet that movie is, and people whispering a lot yeah. and all that other type of stuff. It seems like that, but yeah. And it popularized uh, the use of tinfoil hats. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> I had weird. no idea what the hell that was in yeah. the movie, by the way. I was just sitting there going, <laughs> what? This is just ridiculous now. I don't get it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the best. But I know what you mean, though. It's a little heavy handed, like all across the board, visually, the music, the opening. We talked about this last podcast. Mm. The opening music is basically, I am Jesus. Here's my movie. <laughs> uh, but there's that like moment early on when he's in the corn with the sheriff and he like looks back and she's like, what is it? What is it, father? And he says, I don't hear my children. Yeah, and yeah. It's just like, it's so like in your face that I'm being clever with wordplay because yeah. he's a father, but he's also a former priest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I do, I mean, I do love, the moments of comedy in this movie, like the tinfoil hats or yeah. uh, the girl who forces him to listen to confession at the <laughs> pharmacy uh, where she's not sure if all the words are swear words. Like, yeah. is douchebag a swear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it is. And then her number goes up by like 300. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've probably talked too long about signs. It's not it's not amazing, but I enjoy it. And you want to talk about the born identity? Let's do it. The born yeah, this is the birth of a hero here. This is one of the best action movies of the last 20 years, maybe? Sort of. Uh, it, at the very least, it its influence is is bigger than any action movie that has come out. One of the best action characters, for sure. Yeah, it, it influenced Bond. Of course, throughout the years of uh, James Bond, uh, James Bond has been influenced by whatever has been popular yeah. at the time, so not a big deal, but... But everything that Bond is now is born identity and everything. And like anytime you have the they a non comic book character, this is the way the action goes down. They're they're you know they're trained. They know they're they do this like they're breathing that type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this was a decent hit in theaters. But uh, I remember this is one of those classic cases of a movie one of the one of the last cases probably of a movie hitting like number one on video rentals hmm. uh when it came out and it sort of totally uh got that sequel into works and it's become a franchise since but yeah. um yeah this is doug lyman he's he's sort of on a kind of different territory here because he had done swingers yeah. and go and would you prefer a lyman born or a greengrass born i still prefer greengrass mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. You guys both looked at me. <laughs> uh, I like Doug Lyman a lot. Um, 
but he's just hit or miss. Uh, mm. For every Edge of Tomorrow, there's a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, for every this movie, there's a Jumper. Yeah. Um, but I do like how he genre hops and seems to like fantasy elements and science fiction elements. Yeah. But does a lot of different types of things. And he's sort of like a Mike Myers in that regard. He's at least swinging. He may strike out. He may hit a home run, but mm. he's not going to walk or get hit by a pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. This is and this was different for Damon, too. Damon wasn't exactly an action star. Right. Um, and, you know, at first, I think that's the reason why the first movie probably was like kind of an OK hit because people were like, what? Guy from Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> Seriously? Okay. And uh, and then you realize, oh, he's really good at it. You know, well, isn't there even a joke in Forty Year Old Virgin where it's on the TV and one of them's like, "I wasn't sure at first, but Damon is the shit in this movie." Or something like, isn't there a joke? Like that? I don't remember that. I, but. They feel like there is. They're watching the pen scene where he stabs the pen in that guy's hand. Oh yeah, they yeah. make a reference. I'm pretty sure I'll go research that later. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, Born Identity is really solid, and I, and and for a lot of people, it's their favorite Born. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still like uh, Supremacy better. Yeah, it's my favorite Born just because like it really it's got more of a cohesive narrative, I guess, and it's not embroiled in all of the other stuff that comes up, you know, later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I love all of them. So yeah. Um, what else? Uh, also in two thousand two, Eight Mile came out. Yeah. Uh, from Curtis Hansen, the tour's yeah. a. a guy who just man he all over the place as yeah. far as genres and everything what do we think about eight mile i'm confused about eight mile because i loved it when it came out mm-hmm. i thought eminem's performance was great right even though he's playing himself yeah uh but man like i've never seen more divisive opinions from my friends than on this movie oh yeah some people absolutely hate this movie i don't i don't really know why you would hate Hmm. it Uh, i would understand why you wouldn't like it that much whether it's the content or the acting or whatever but i mean it's just it's a pull yourself up by your bootstrap type of thing relying on your wit relying on your self-deprecation you know and i think it works man yeah I, i i think it does definitely i mean it's the, it's one of those, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the beats of all those type of movies are in this. You know, he fails miserably mm-hmm. in the beginning of it. He's got to learn. it on his yeah, already but, yeah, spaghetti. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, he's got he's to learn a thing or two during the movie. Yeah. And then... And then by the end of it, he's ready to take on Papa Doc. Man, you and that, that's responsible for, the, hands down, the best Eminem song uh, that, that he's Well, Lose I, Yourself? Oh, yeah, Lose Yourself. Mm. I read, uh, I might have even mentioned this on the podcast, I read like one of those uh, anthology articles the other day about, the other day, a couple months ago, about that song. Uh-huh. It was with the producer of the song, who I think is somebody famous, I just can't think of their name right now. I forget. But he was filming the movie and came over in between takes to do the song and According to this article, what you hear in that song is one take. He came in, he did the song, oh, and went right what? back on set. And the the explanation was that he was he he's, he was this character, mm-hmm. but he was so into it shooting the movie, he didn't need to gear up to do the song. Yeah, that he, he was, was already B-Rabbit. there. Um, and again, I I can't remember the article. I'll find it. We'll put it in the links or mm-hmm. something. Um, but that just blew my mind when I heard that. that yeah. That's an artist who's who's right. Right on the edge of perfection. He he really is. I mean, this is him dialed in musically and you know acting wise. Uh, but that that whole flow that he does uh, in Lose Yourself, where he's rhyming the O's and the I's and everything, and it's just like it's it's mid sentence, it's mid phrasing rhymes, mm-hmm. which I love so much. It's not just hitting it at the end. Yeah, he's a, he's a 
freaking master at it this was a great uh, crowd reaction movie too the, <laughs> just the you know because it you know we're talking about rap battles we're talking about sick burns here <laughs> yeah. you know Clarence's uh, parents have a real good marriage yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and and that's such a great like the way to end it too because he's he's sitting there you know go ahead and tell me something we don't already know yeah and and he doesn't have anything to say because <laughs> said, everything's already been said you use your material yeah you know um but i i, I love that by um, the way i did research while we were talking and here's the quote from 40 year old virgin it's from paul rudd mm-hmm. man i always thought matt damon was like a streisand <laughs> but i think he's rocking the shit in this way. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd, of course. Um, they, let, I'm going to go through these real fast because I don't think we need to talk about them much. But there's a, there's basically a series of twos that came out this year. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Definitely mm. the worst of the Star Wars prequels, don't you think? I would put Phantom Menace lower than this. Mm. I would too, just because this at least gives us lightsabers and Yoda. Yeah, yeah. But, well, the first I mean, it's not it's not good. The first one at least has Darth Maul and the and the lightsaber battle and it all takes that. This fucking has, forever to this get has there. Nothing. Yeah, has nothing. It's a it's supposed to be a detective story or some bullshit like yeah. that. And it's like, yeah, I, I guess not yeah. really. You chased after Django Fett, and and he went to another planet, and you suddenly knew where to go to talk to, you know, to see where Dooku was hatching his evil plan at the very moment that it happened. Um, and Hayden Christensen, man, yeah. it, it looks like he can't act his way out of a paper Which bag is too bad, this. because he was in a movie called Shattered Glass. Yeah, he's and, great in that. And yeah. he's great in that. He's also and, good in Life as a House with Kevin Yeah, Clark. yeah. And unfortunately, that's what happens. You take the big step to be in the big movie. That's what people know you for. <laughs> you have to and deliver George Lucas dialogue. That's right. And that's what, and Ed, man, I swear to God, like everybody, every time you bring that guy up, up. they're like oh he ruined those movies no well, it was more no, like, no. it wasn't really it him wasn't his fault wasn't really him <laughs> i can see why you didn't like him too much but what shattered glass that's a good movie yeah. um anyway uh another two harry potter and the chamber of secrets came out we don't need to talk about too much about that that's another that was chris columbus again mm-hmm. and he then he would just go into producer role after after this movie and get the series of directors that uh, came later but chamber of secrets and and sorcerer stone just sort of like blend together to me they but this do. one has gilderoy lockhart <laughs> played by <laughs> kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. that's oh, right yeah, we should mention that <laughs> yeah. at the very least he's a man so vain so vain that's his that's his character yeah um uh, austin powers and gold member that's actually a three but uh austin powers and gold member not <sighs> squandered yeah. any goodwill they had for that character yeah it, comedies just don't do well with sequels and it's amazing that it even got to the third one uh, it does have the great Michael Caine line in it, though, where he's like, he's like, there's two people I don't like in this world. It's people who who aren't tolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up, they, they released in the soundtrack at least a few Mike Myers songs where he was doing it as Austin Powers. And it was like a serious thing. There was like a song called Daddy Wasn't There. No, oh, yeah, yeah. About the, the Michael Caine character. Yeah. And it's like a serious song. It's not like a super, you know, jokey thing. Yeah. It's not very good either. Yeah. Men in Black 2 also came out. Larry Flynn Boyle. Yeah. Not as good as the first one. And, and actually, not even nearly. I mean, it's like a bad movie. And, and then, of course, the Santa Claus 2. Like, we needed a second <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> um, anyway, um, what else that came out in 2002, guys? Well, Blade 2, right? Yeah. 
I mean, you were rattling off twos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I do want to talk about a movie I love that no one ever talks about. Okay. It's called Road to Perdition. Oh, uh-huh. I like it. Sam Mendes made this movie. Mm-hmm. This is after American Beauty, but before his current run with uh, James Bond. Yep. Um, this movie has such a great mood. Yeah. This is about uh, early 1900s gangsters uh, in Capone's network. Frank Nitti is even a character in this movie, played by Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Paul Newman, who's the suburb mob who's boss. He's fantastic. He's amazing in this. You have mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, who is his like a son right hand man you have daniel craig who must work like must like working with sam mendes i just realized yeah, yeah. he's paul newman's fuck up son who the <laughs> real son uh and basically tom hanks's kid witnesses something he shouldn't and uh tom hanks's family pays a price mm-hmm. and then he and his son go on the lamb um on the run from Jude Law in yet another yeah. magnetic, God, that's amazing, yeah. energetic, yeah, like, it really has a great cast. Um, and and so it's basically the story of what happens as they go on the road. There's a bit about them robbing banks that have all the mob's money. Right. He's trying to get to Stanley Tucci to get permission to go kill Daniel Craig, but of course he loves Paul Newman like a father. And they have that great talk in the bottom of the church, and there's that amazing slow motion shootout in the rain. Uh, I I just don't understand why nobody ever talks about this movie. Well, nobody mm. nobody talks about it very much anymore. The IMDb does have a seven point seven score for this, so it does. I mean, people who have seen it tend to love it okay good um i think when it came out sam mendes once again just like a lot of the directors we've talked about this was his follow-up to american beauty yeah uh so a lot of people go in with a certain expectation mm. when they go and watch this movie and plus the one thing that i didn't like about it when i first watched it was they it so clearly uh needs to have tom hanks be a one of the good bad guys Mm-hmm. like this guy has probably done a lot of horrible shit yeah but everything he does in this movie tom hanks can never be villainous we can never <laughs> right. see him be a bad guy in this ever and i feel like that's part of you know that i feel like that's one of those hollywood things where like either he or somebody at a studio said we can't have uh you know america's top actor ever being bad ever we don't want to ruin his image you know, and it feels like a Tom Hanks yeah. thing. It yeah. feels like he's part of that. But um, and he's great in it, though. I mean, I like Tom Hanks, and he's great in this, too. Yeah. But I just wish just once in this movie they could just showed him just blow away a guy <laughs> and showed what really is the truth about that character. Mm-hmm. And then then later did all the nice stuff yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Because he's obviously not somebody. I mean, he the whole dialogue with him and Paul Newman and everything is talking about how they're bad guys and yeah. everything. And I'd like to see that just once. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, you're right. It's not a movie that people talk about too much. And it's a shame because it it's, needs to be discovered yeah, by a lot I of agree. people. I agree. Um, what else? Two smaller movies that came out that I love watching. One is The Good Girl with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. And the other is Secretary. Yeah. <laughs> and Secretary... I want to talk about it because probably a lot of people haven't seen it. And if you've watched the the blacklist, uh, you know, James Spader is kind of like this, you know, all knowing, all seeing uh, badass and everything. But in this, he's very different. Uh, it gets involved in a sadomasochistic relationship with Maggie Gyllenhaal. And it is unconventionally very sexy. Yes. And they pull it off, man. This, this, this movie is great. This is almost like swimming with sharks, but 
with sexual <laughs> undertones to it because <laughs> yeah. it's uh, somebody who's working for a person uh-huh. and they're making them do a lot of unreasonable things, yeah. but they're into it. Yeah. <laughs> She's, She's into it. Into it. Um, she is very into well, it. Is yeah. it. Jake Gyllenhaal in the good girl. Yes, he is. He just yeah, brought yeah. Up two small movies. Yeah, with the exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the good girl, man, Talk about another great John C. Riley performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like man, I, I this this movie is is very much underseen. I think. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston is outstanding in this. Yeah, movie. Very she got a nuanced, lot of Oscar very, buzz for this, yeah. but didn't get it. Didn't get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, man. I mean, she's just she's really low key and very just kind of incredibly nuanced. Like, yeah, it's a great character. Yeah, different for her. She's still really what, mostly known for Friends at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, she probably still is, but. At the point at that time, it was still running. The show yeah. was still running, um, and uh, yeah, she got a lot. Of, she's really good, and I haven't seen it in forever. Mm. I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters, but I, I remember it being good and enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Where do you guys stand on the Count of Monte Cristo? I like it. Um, this is a movie that I file with the Italian job in my mind as as a movie that I just love and adore, but I'm not sure that society agrees with me, so I don't say that too much. No, often. I enjoy it. I think it's one of those movies probably because it's been adapted so many times. Yeah. That it just feels like, okay, well that's, that that happened. That was two thousand you know, two thousand two. They came out with another one of these. But uh I really enjoyed this. I have, this is another movie I haven't seen since it came out, but I remember it coming out of it going, I My I like wife this. loves it. Um, and that's probably the only reason I ever started watching it with any regularity. Uh, but now it's to the point where if I see it on TV, I'll stop. It's got Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce, uh, a young Superman. Um, Henry Cavill? Um, yes, Henry Cavill. Um, it's basically your classic revenge tale. A guy gets wrongly imprisoned. Uh, he won't find out why for a long time. But when he gets out, he learns what happened and finds a treasure, thank God, um, <clears throat> and then is able to fund his long-lasting um revenge and i just think it has good performances it's short and sweet it's not like a three-hour movie um and i for some reason really like it and i, I just i've always been a little bit too skittish to talk about it's that a public. it's just a great story there's a reason why it's a classic and everything and i feel like they shot it just perfectly fine yeah there's nothing in about it that i'm like man you know this is so great but but it's such a good story that it, it was good. I remember coming out of theater going, oh, that was good. All right. And All right. so, yeah, I agree with you. I will, I'll just uh, cling my hopes to that and uh, go back to not talking about it <laughs> until people give me confirmation. Oh, the the, you'll have plenty of people who say they, they love that after this. Uh, did you guys ever see Equilibrium? I, I hate to say that I haven't, and I know that this is a good movie because a lot of people it have is. told me about it. Christian Bale, it, if it's not based on a Philip K. Dick story, it easily could be mm-hmm. set in the future where emotions aren't allowed. Um, It's very much like uh, Fahrenheit 451 in the Mm. sense that the cops now go around busting people who feel. um, And you have to take this drug to suppress your emotions. Uh, But one of the reasons I was really into this movie when I first watched it was uh, it does some Matrix-type inventive action. So basically in this future, these cops uh, have developed a basically gun sword fighting where through math and angles... And swinging their arms and moving, they swing their arms and shoot like they're swinging swords, 
there's an early scene with Christian Bale alone against like 12 dudes in a dark room and he takes them all out in like three seconds using this technique because he's like the best of the best at it. So you get some really inventive, cool gun battle action scenes. Uh, it's a really cool uh, little person versus the authoritarian government story mm. uh, when somebody that Bale knows begins to feel. There's a cool subplot of a dog that's just a homeless dog that he was supposed to kill, but he put it in his trunk <laughs> and he can't, doesn't have the heart to kill it. And then the big, huge wham, bang action finish. Um, and yeah, if you like that kind of stuff, the heady sci-fi concept, there's definitely execution flaws here and there. You can tell this was not made on a big budget. Uh, you could tell it was made on a small budget, even though it's dealing with glossy looking, you know, buildings and vehicles and whatnot. But man, really solid, really fun, pretty R rated too. This That's is a, awesome. This is a movie that does come up quite a bit, yeah. actually. People have, talk about it a lot, and this is right up my alley. It's a movie I to totally would watch. I think you would. For whatever reason, I, I remember actually we had this at Alley with 27. I used, used to start this thing up, and I was just like, eh, equilibrium, I don't know um doesn't have the greatest title for pulling you in no <laughs> and uh and but i would i would walk by it occasionally and go huh huh we have to watch this at some point never did and then i couldn't find it after that so or just don't think about it and um but yeah i feel like i know that i would enjoy this movie. i think you would i think you both would but it, it's definitely below the radar in the sense that I didn't even discover it until like six years later on some Reddit thread where somebody was like, movies similar to The Matrix or whatever. The yeah. Dark City, Equilibrium. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that one and then fell in love with it. So I've got the DVD if you want to borrow it. I, I, I do probably. Um, two big horror movies came out uh, this year. 28 Days Later, uh, Danny Boyle. Uh, uh, this is this introduced quick zombies. Yep. You know, and and uh, sort of uh, I, this was my first. Maybe they had done this before with zombie movies. But this was the first time I remember a virus being part of the reason why people were zombies. I mean, I'm sure it, it's been in it's lore. It's probably been done many wasn't times. The, the overall norm. But I remember this being the first time I had seen zombies like this, at, at, at the very least. And they're and them being quick and vicious. Yeah is exhilarating this movie is terrifying yes and there's danny boyle doing man okay so this was the first time really that you got the waking up in a hospital after all the shit's gone down mm -hmm. uh that was later done with walking dead and all that yeah. stuff. yeah and he walks out into the middle of london yeah and there's nobody there man it is and, so terrifying and they actually shot that in london they they went early morning hours and basically were just telling people, could you just not drive <laughs> just through here? We're doing a shot or whatever. And people were cool with it. Uh, and uh, and so that's one of those awesome things about 28 Days Later that when you find out, it's like, man, that's awesome. Oh, they that's acted, so didn't awesome. do a set. They didn't they didn't close anything down, anything. They just did that. The you music know? in that scene yes. going from... It, I don't know if it's a Mogwai song, but it sounds like a Mogwai song. Yeah. Uh, where it just starts from this tiny little note going yeah. all the way up to... That, oh, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so great. And um, very often confused with the Sandra Bullock rehab movie. <laughs> 28, 28 Days. days. Yeah. <laughs> I came on the comedy channel the other so night. So <laughs> anybody who goes to watch this zombie movie with fast zombies and ends up with Viggo Mortensen and yeah. Sandra Bullock Sandra in Bullock. rehab, you took a wrong turn. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was something that you know you were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go watch 28 Days. 
later. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to watch it? <laughs> yeah. I know but a lot of people think that the the sequel to this, the twenty eight weeks later, is better than this one. I don't. I I love this movie. Yeah, I do too. I I I like twenty eight weeks later better as mm-hmm. well. But this is really this is this doesn't mean that this is bad or by any means. But this is this is great a great start to it. And then twenty eight weeks later is is just really solid. They should yeah. do a prequel. Like 28 years before where nothing's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just life in London. Yeah. 28 you years before. It's a romantic comedy. You just see the Cloverfield monster fall down <laughs> in the water somewhere, and that's it. Um, also, in 2002, The Ring. Yep. Huge horror Ring-do. movie. Um, this this one like did better business than most horror movies. Uh, I mean, especially big ones like this. Like uh, it got 129 million domestic. I mean, that's that's a huge hit. It for got a horror. lot of word of mouth. Yeah, well, it feels like there are kind of like there's three levels of horror films in my mind. Like the the at least the major horror films, the ones that don't make money and people don't like, the ones that make their 40 to 60 million and they make another sequel, and then that rare hit that sort of grabs part of the the general public that's like me that doesn't really gravitate towards horror mm. but because so many people are talking about you got to see this you got to see that you got to see the tv the girl coming out of the tv or what have you this was one of those movies for sure yeah gore verbinski by the way mm-hmm. this is yeah. a guy that pirates of the caribbean pirates of the yeah, caribbean right guy. yeah uh you know there's a guy who does a lot of different type of stuff too but um the ring is is uh is we're in the era uh, that we're in the era of j horror at this point mm-hmm. this is uh Movies that you know tra- were well received in Japan got American remakes, so we saw a lot of this. This, The Grudge, there were a couple others too. But um, I've seen the original Ringu, and that's that is way better than this. Yeah, that's it, genuinely terrifying. Yes, it is. <laughs> like you know, you know the the terrifying thing in the ring, and I think what got a lot of people to for word of mouth on this was seeing what the dead bodies look like. Mm. You know, you open up the closet and it's like this horrifying gray <laughs> yeah, limp thing that's in with a mouths all open and shit. But like even in the in the, the in Ringu, like you look at it, it's like way worse. Mm-hmm. It's way worse. But uh, but yeah, big movie in this. This is Naomi Watts, like sort of, uh, you know, um, I think this was her first big movie yeah, yeah. in the States. After Mulholland Drive. After Mulholland Drive. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I do want to talk a little bit about Solaris. Okay. We don't have to. I just wanted to see if that was <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those weird people that really like Solaris. So I've, I've only, I only saw it the one time and I enjoyed it, but, and this is Soderbergh again. It is. It's Soderbergh doing kind of a, a Kubrick thing, right? Mm-hmm. With towards the space relationship. What's real? What's not? Is it a remake? Yep. Of like a Russian movie, Yes, it movie, is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a remake. Well, this was this is Clooney and Soderbergh both just kind of playing off their capital, their Hollywood yeah, capital, isn't it? This did nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're just did zero. I'm going to make an art movie because I want to. Oh yeah, this yeah this did nothing. It's a real slow, real slow movie. Like, yeah, we don't have to talk about it any further. Uh, but uh, um, but uh, I did want to talk about Irreversible because I know you guys haven't seen it, uh, but this is Gaspar No, who. Uh, <laughs> who makes really fucked up movies and irreversible is fucked up it's a it's super fucked up but it's uh, it comes out just after memento which did that you know in reverse thing this is what irreversible does is it starts at the end of the movie and then gets all the way to the the beginning and but it's way more brutal than memento because they're at the very center of it there's a rape and it's monica bellucci uh but there's also like 
uh, one of the most awful death scenes I've ever seen in a movie before uh, involving a fire extinguisher. Mm. Um, so, uh, but it's, it's another movie that sort of, you know, took that, took that uh, concept and ran with it. So if you were wondering if there was why there wasn't any memento uh, ripoffs or whatever, this was one of them that came out, mm-hmm. but it was uh, way more brutal. Um, let's see what else is on here. We talked a little bit about the pianist. I actually really like this movie. I, I really love it. I know that uh, Jeremy said he hated it, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a great performance. Yeah. Adrian Brody, man. Adrian Brody who won the Oscar mm-hmm. and, uh, and went up and uh, planted one on Halle Berry. <laughs> he got right in there. Yeah, yeah. He got he got right on in there. Is right. I feel uh, like at like age eight, he said, "If I ever win the Academy Award, I'm gonna kiss Halle Berry." Yeah. And so he just had no choice karmically but to do what he right. said once he got in that position. Well, and then he and then he later joked uh, about it the next year when he he gave out the Best Actress or whatever he. He uh, gave himself a little like mint breathalyzer thing or whatever. Um, uh, a movie I don't think I ever saw this. Lilo and Stitch was the Disney animated yeah. movie. Never saw it. At I this point, it. I was bored of Disney. Yeah, yeah. And- no, I saw it uh, back in the day, and uh, actually, my son hasn't watched it uh, since then. But it spawned a million Stitch dolls, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember this being big. I just never saw it, mm. and it, it spawned a bu- like a TV series too, mm-hmm. right? Something like that um red dragon brett ratner's yeah i gotta uh, mention hannibal yeah, movies yeah brett ratner's a uh, foray into uh which was uh this was what red dragon was the actual original title uh-huh. and then they made then it, it man as manhunter yeah. in the 80s and then this one came out mm-hmm. with uh ray fines as the main bad yeah. he's truly terrifying yes yeah. the, the like, tooth fairy I worry about that guy's soul <laughs> after Schindler's List and the Harry Potter movie. He's too good and at scaring yeah, yeah, the shit yeah. out of me. And in this scene, when he's got Philip Seymour Hoffman in the chair and he's showing him the pictures of the women he's killed with glass and mirrors yeah. in their eyes, and he's like, Mrs. Wilson. Mrs. Wilson in her final form. Do you oh see? Oh, my God. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, ah! ah, ah. <laughs> like, I get twitchy during that scene. Like, yeah. he's so creepy in this movie. <laughs> well, I like Edward Norton's portrayal of Will Graham, I actually think is pretty good. It's a lot more kind of balanced than mm-hmm. uh, William Peterson's yeah, version. Yeah. So. And he's, I mean, he's great. He's always great in these things. There's nothing wrong with this movie. It's not a very good movie yeah there's nothing really wrong with it you know? right yeah no i agree um also uh unfaithful came out this was uh diane lane i like uh, this movie a lot yeah i do too yeah. uh, uh diane lane cheating on her on her husband richard gear with this like awesomely hot uh, olivier uh, <laughs> olivier, uh oh god martinez martinez um i i think this is a fascinating study into why anybody would commit adultery mm-hmm like it you know it takes a more even-handed approach than mm-hmm. normal like yes i guess she's a bad person for doing this but it doesn't just do it because it's it's sheer lust no no you know I mean, there's a real like connection with those two even right. though that's tested oh, later yeah, on yeah it's very much tested but uh she like falls for him yeah you know? yeah and it looks like he does for her too yeah absolutely um resident evil came out that was a you know we uh, beginning of a yeah, franchise that's going to have six movies by January, and I think the next one comes out in January. Um, but I'm try- The reason why I bring this up is this could still be the best video game movie ever made. I think so. <laughs> I really because think almost so. nothing. It's not good, but it's but not it's good. Probably, it probably is. Yeah. You guys clearly didn't see Need for Speed. 
<laughs> You're right. I do need to see that. Is that Aaron Paul. Yeah. I, I, I do need to see that before I can really judge. Um, Triple X, which I never saw. Oh, this was a, oh really? You're yeah, a I never human saw this. Yeah. Vin Diesel, huge like yeah. vehicle for him, and then he notoriously for this and the Fast and the Furious didn't want to do the sequels to those and movies. Came back. And then he came back because. <laughs> Oh, people like you as Vin Diesel. You haven't seen this movie. Let me tell you what this movie is. It's the ridiculousness of Fast and Furious, dialed up to 11, and the hero's uh, X Games guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a snowboarder. Yeah. He makes videos. And he does 10 times more ridiculous shit than Spider-Man does. Oh, yeah. And the movie delights in it. (laughs) And so there you go. If that's what you enjoy, go watch that one and the Ice Cube one, I'm sure, is the same. And this new one will be the same. But fuck that movie. This does have Asia Argento in it. And she is gorgeous Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah. A lot of people love love this Reign of Fire movie that came out. McConaughey and everything. Do you guys like that Mm. movie? No, but I did read about how the kid from Game of Thrones peed his pants on that set. Oh, did he? I read that yesterday. Because apparently after he retired from acting two years ago, he's still giving interviews about movies he made 10 years ago. I don't understand that. All right. Okay. We should dedicate a little bit of time to Panic Room, David Fincher. Uh, This is one of the least David Fincher movies Uh that he's ever made. One of the least. It's it's almost like what we were just saying with the guy whose name I forgot. It's just a little too showy. Shyamalan. Yeah. A little too self-indulgent. Oh, it's very showy. Let's pull through the house with the camera and all of that stuff. Yeah. but you can still see talent here. There's yeah. still clearly talent at work. Uh, a very young Kristen Stewart, yeah, uh, who mm-hmm. I think does well in this movie. No, yeah, she's great. Uh, but I don't really like this one. This is not no. one I go back to very often it's at all. Not, it's got a pretty good cast in it. Yeah, Jared it, Leto again. Yeah, Jared Leto. Of course, Whitaker. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and the concept of it is is interesting, but the actual execution of it is not really like. Well, I like the idea of the panic room. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. don't like the way it plan, plays it's funny out. Because just like signs, we've got some kind of kid separated from his medicine. As a driving yeah, yeah. part of the plot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, in Panic Room, it feels a lot cheaper than it did in Signs. Yeah. Uh, because in Panic Room, if it's not for that illness, there's basically no conflict. Yeah. They don't have to get out of the room <laughs> to right. get the shots. Yeah. And they just wait, wait it out. But yeah. we got to throw that wrinkle in there. Christopher Nolan's follow-up to Memento was Insomnia. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen this movie once. There are a lot of people who love this. Are I there really? I, I thought I was the only one. I, oh, I like really? it a lot. Oh, yeah? It's it's Al Pacino in a, in a weird Al Pacino performance. Well, and Robin Williams in a weird yeah, Robin Williams performance. <laughs> I was going to say, man. this is the year of dark Robin Williams. With yeah. This movie in one hour photo. One hour photo, <laughs> yeah. They consciously made a decision to go dark this year. Yeah. What I like about Insomnia is that they identify the person, the bad guy, Right up halfway through the movie or something like that. And it's them just trying to catch up with it, basically. Right. And uh, now it's really good. And in the environment, man, having daylight 23 and a half hours yeah. a day, man, that, that you could see how that fucks with you. And they do a great job of like making that like a character in. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did. They, they really did. That's almost a little too much of a character. But I get what they were going for. But I, I, I think it, it feels like that be, was the start of the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was somebody said, well, let's make a movie in that 23 hours of daylight setting. Okay, what should we do? And then we got the opposite with the vampire movie with Josh. What's 30 his name? Days <laughs> of yeah. Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That And that one, man. Uh, I, <laughs> I was so geeked for 30 Days of Night. Were you really? It was horrible. So yeah. bad. Um uh, Ice Age came out. That's the start of a huge freaking franchise. Scorpion King, which was the, um, you know, the spinoff of the Mummy. Uh, the Rookie. I never saw the Rookie. Oh, 
You yeah. love baseball so much. I know, and I've never seen you this. You need to watch this yeah? because it's it's totally harmless. Your life is going to be okay if you don't ever watch <laughs> this movie. Just like Remember the Titans. <laughs> yeah. But you love baseball so much, more than I do, but this movie hits me in the baseball feels hard. Mm-hmm. And you know the premise, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Older guy, our age, yeah. teaching, coaching high school baseball. Uh, but has a ro- laser rocket arm, mm-hmm. and his kids make a bet with him. If we win a game or win the next 60, it's some ridiculous bet. But it's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you have to try out for- Played for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's even in the movie. Uh, but man, you would love it. You would dig it the most. And this is the, the kid from- uh, Two and a half men, the kid that played the son, only he's like six in this movie. Oh, really? And he's adorable as hell. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend it. It's it's not going to shatter your world, good or bad, but it's really, really fun baseball. I heard it was, and, and, and yeah, you're right. I'm a baseball person, so I should watch that. And, and to- Dennis Quaid is so good in everything in general, but he's really good in this. Um, I'm a baseball person, but I watched Bend It Like Beckham. This was what... Yeah. Uh, introduced us to Kara Knightley and all uh-huh. that uh I this and is soccer yeah and soccer <laughs> I didn't know that the sport existed Americans had no clue about soccer <laughs> that's right um anyway uh it's a decent delightful film um phone booth which uh the only reason i bring up phone booth is because there was so many like people attached to this at one time yep. <laughs> it ends up being a joel schumacher colin farrell vehicle yeah it was gonna be like jim carrey Will and, smith was attached at yeah. once. yeah um not a very good movie i imagine feel, jim carrey in this movie oh my god well <laughs> and, awesome. i mean carrey was doing like some more dramatic stuff at the uh-huh. time and if with under the right director he might no, have been, i think it would be awesome he might have been fine but what's funny to me about this movie it was hard to uh, to uh, uh get around was that Kiefer sutherland feels like he's still doing 24 narration during this yeah like he's doing his 24 narration he's like this happens between 3 and 4 a.m or whatever and then he's like hey could you rate a few of these lines from phone booth okay uh, i'm gonna kill you if you get out of the booth uh blah blah blah, blah. and then he's like this is the half following happens between 5 and 6 a.m hey hey we're talking crusty um <laughs> Bada boom, bada bing. Learn from the professionals, kids. He's out before they even start recording. They're like, all right, we're ready for you, Krusty. Um, the movie Frida came out in yep. 2002 about a boy. I know a lot of people like that yeah, movie. Yeah. They, uh, the Whites Brothers did that. Um, uh, let's Rules see. of Attraction? Rule, I love Rules of Attraction. Yeah, me too. Do you really? Yes. Yeah, no, this is, this is a weird movie. It's harsh. Yeah. It's right on that edgy blade edge of the R rating. Yeah. I always thought that Shannon Tossman was going to be Oh, a bigger thing. she was she, she was, was huge for a while being advertised as the next big thing because it was this and a knight's tale mm-hmm. and all that she was like yeah she was gonna be the next big thing but yeah she's never she never got into that movie that you know got everybody to you know really fall in love yeah. with her or whatever and this is also the most anti-dawson that james vanderbeek could yes. possibly be Holy well no shit. this is a case where clearly an actor has told his agent <laughs> i need to shed this image yeah. i don't care what it takes and Boy, he does a lot of <laughs> reprehensible shit in this movie. Yeah, this is Brett Easton Elsk uh, adaptation again. Uh, it's, and it's related got, to it's related Patrick to American, Bateman. To American Psycho yeah. because uh, uh, Sean Bateman and Patrick Bateman are like brothers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's even a scene in this where the phone rings and he's like... <laughs> Patrick or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and, uh, and then that's it. That's their little yeah. connection or whatever. And it, but yeah, this is a brutal. I, 
this has got so many fun things in it. Like, especially when Kit Perdue goes through his oh whole, my God. like, all the things he did in Europe and everything. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh yeah. I can't, I have to rewind it every time I watch it. Yeah. Because it doesn't end. It goes for, like, four minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. all funny. All it is is him, you know, doing drugs, uh, having sex with women, and getting into adventures. <laughs> and it's, like, this big, like, long, like, sped up thing. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, the hours, which I didn't like, um, which is <laughs> an Oscar, big Oscar movie, very pretentious. I didn't like it, yeah. but Nicole Kidman won the Oscar mm-hmm. for that. Punch Drunk Love came out in 2002. Yeah. You just saw this. Yeah. I love Punch Drunk Love. Man, I tell you what, it, it did not have me because it's so all over the map in that first, and you know what it is? I figured out what it was. That score is so disorienting. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's disquieting. and. And the performance that he does is so on the edge of insanity mm-hmm. of all the time. This is Adam Sandler doing just a complete 180 from typical Adam Sandler. And then the the second half of it really redeems the character. It has this wonderful love story and has this these great scenes with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman doing great stuff under Paul Thomas Anderson again. Uh, the music was by John Bryan. John Bryan. But I but I, I highly enjoy this. It's one of those lost Paul Thomas Anderson movies, although they are coming out with a Criterion collection of this. So, oh, really? So, yeah, I was trying to find a Blu-ray of this for the longest time. Never could find one. And now I just love criterion. how enthusiastic he is about that goddamn organ. Yeah. yeah. The moment he decides <laughs> to take it, he's running full speed with that thing in his yeah. arm. <laughs> and it's like his blankie almost. Yeah. Like anytime he gets upset, he goes back yeah. and he yeah. plays it, you know? Yeah. And just like uh, almost like off offhandedly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No. Um, Cabin Fever is the movie that uh, Tarantino really enjoyed from uh-huh. Eli Roth and became like, you know, that became the shot his maybe his ego into the stratosphere who knows uh but uh but like cabin fever is is another virus movie basically mm-hmm. not zombies this time but uh, it's a, i think it's a pretty good movie yeah yeah um the 25th hour yeah Sell this him. is Sell great spike lee movie that uh another one that people don't really talk about but edward norton again Another one of those great performances that we don't talk about. Philip Seymour Hummins in this, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, and uh, it's just, and Barry Pepper in a great little role. Rosario Dawson is great and just gorgeous in this. Uh, and plus, we have the guy from The Wire who's like, she. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Clay, that's all yeah, I know him as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's in there. And he does it in this movie. He's like, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he finds the drugs on the couch or whatever. He's like, oh, I guess you're pretty much fucked, aren't you? <laughs> she. <laughs> um, Denzel Washington had his directorial debut. Antoine Fisher came out, uh, which is a good movie. I when I first watched it, I was like, eh, it's kind of average, whatever. It came on recently, and I watched it. And I was like, this is what really is good. That's the one about the guy who um, he goes through like the Navy, like it's a it's a he goes yeah. to a psychiatrist and all this. I it's always like, get this confused with the Cuba Gooding Jr. underwater diver. Men of Honor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So never mind. Move on. Um. And then let's see. I'm gonna skip that. Skip that. Internal Affairs, which uh, uh, the Departed yeah. uh, was a remake of, came out this year. Uh, Barber Shop came out in 2002. It was a really funny movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. George Clooney's directorial That's debut. That's a good movie. That's really a fun good movie. movie. Yeah. Um. 
And uh, this a, a, a great performance from Sam Rockwell. It is terrific. That's Chuck Barris, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's the uh, the supposed story, the secret <laughs> life. Of, in the yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we, we mentioned one hour photo. Um, the rules of attraction. Let's see what else do we? Twenty four hour party. People should be <laughs> something that people should watch at some point. Yeah. This is uh, Steve Coogan plays the one of the founders of Factory Records that did Joy Division and New Order and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Talk to her, the Pedro Motivar movie mm-hmm. that came out was really good. Uh, let me see. I don't want to. I, I feel always bad when when I when we miss like something that was big. Like last week we missed Black Hawk Down, which mm. yeah, I mean it wouldn't have won, but it was. I mean we talk about a lot of bullshit movies, and it's yeah. like Black Hawk Down's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Yeah. You know why 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 did we not talk about that? Um, only reason I want to bring up Moonlight Miles because I love the trailer with the Elton John. I actually song. wrote down. Make sure you mention how much Chris loved this trailer. <laughs> it's got I that love Elton it. John song. Yeah, someone saved my life tonight, yeah. and it's like it's just one of those like it's just the way they cut it in there. I'm like I'm, I'm sitting there like yes, I'm watching this movie, and then you watch the movie. It's like oh, it's not nearly as good as that trailer was. If we mi- if we missed something amazing like Changing Lanes or Collateral Damage or something like that, some of all fears. Yeah, some of all fears. Changing and- lanes. <laughs> I actually go. do really like the some of all fears. But, yeah, yeah. Know, not enough to be like I, be- I better bring that shit up. Yeah. Well, in uh, Changing Lanes, the only reason I want to bring that up, I did I did see that at your your theater that you were. I think I remember that. The time. But uh, David Wayne had a um, had a list of the most middle movies of of the, of the 2002 year or whatever <laughs> like like not best or worst but the most middle or like <laughs> <laughs> like changing lanes was in that list yeah, i can see that <laughs> sounds about right but uh, i think we're ready to vote here so the order is barrett jeremy and chris okay sweet so unfortunately i'm going to take all suspense out of this and oh, vote for city of, of god yeah. city of god is like Chris, maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It is it is spectacular. It is something that uh, it it's not always easy to watch. So it's not for everybody, I guess. Yeah. Um, but man, if you like Goodfellas, if you like The Godfather, if you like Tarantino, like it, it can hit every different uh, part of of your taste, mm-hmm. and it's it's great. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Man, I had a whole list here. <laughs> I was all ready to go. Maybe Chris will change his mind. Um, catch me if you can is my vote. Ah. And I, I look, I cannot look. This is one of those weird things. Like it depends on where we're where we decide that we're going to say City of God rests here. Mm. We decided 2002 because that's when it officially came out or whatever. We could have said it came out in 2003. It's going to be the same thing there. 2003. I'm going to vote for it there mm. too. Um, I cannot. Uh, argue against Catch Me If You Can because I think that would have probably been my vote if it wasn't that. I mean, if you wanted to have co-winners, it would well, be that. <laughs> the real problem is that I have seen City of God like half of one time. Oh, yeah. I didn't make it through. It wasn't because of the movie. Something else was going on. And so I, I have this feeling if I'd seen it as much as you guys had, it would just be a universal vote mm. because the way you guys rave about it and everything. I, I've always heard this movie is fantastic. Um, but because I, I haven't, I don't have that kind of association with it. I had to vote with something that I knew very well. Sure. And, and yeah, that's a good. Other than candidate. that, I'm, I got to go with Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and this would have been between two Spielberg movies for me. And Spielberg, oh, really? I've always considered 
you know, as as my favorite director, I thought he was really on a different level uh, in this year with that and Minority Report and everything. Unfortunately, City of God came out in this year, and it's better than both of those movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so City of God's going to win this. But yeah. but I I love Catch Me If You Can, and I think in a different year that that's going to win. Or my I mean, I might have said Minority Report too. It's it's between those two. I love those movies so much. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Today we're going to be talking about uh, movies that made us feel real emotions. But what is this salty discharge? This is horrible. I care. Uh, we tried to do this back in May, and uh, and it got lost, and uh, and then. And, you know, it was, that was an episode. That was an episode like where oh, like by man. the end of it, you're drained because you've just talked about all this emotional <laughs> stuff. And then we were like, I don't think we can do this like the next week. And then, and then we just kind of like, we let it slide for a while, but now we're back to it. And, uh, anyway, stuff that made us feel real emotions. And that could be crying. That could be exhilaration. That could be happiness. That could be boners. Boners. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Excellent. So let's talk real about real boners. So Caligula. Let, yes. Caligula. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, 24 hour party people. Now, um, <laughs> uh, Jeremy, do you want to start us off on sure, this? Sure. Sure. Uh, so w- one of the only ones that I'm going to retell. So you guys have already heard this. So at least fake your reactions to be good sounding, uh, is the movie inside out. Mm-hmm. The uh, Disney Pixar joint. Um, I liked this movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't adore it to death like the whole world. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Zootopia, to be honest. Um, but there is there are two moments in this movie that gave me completely opposite emotions, and they come pretty quick on the heels of one another. Um, and the first one is when she breaks down and and cries telling her parents she wants to move back home she misses all her friends that hits home for me a lot i moved five times between the time i was born and the time i was done with college um and every time seemed to be at this formative time with my friends like one once was kindergarten once was when i was 11 once was when i was 15 um and so it just felt like i was always having the same feelings that this character Riley is having. And and it's just such a pure moment because she's been letting it build up for so long by just being distant and dejected and even angry and acting out that when she finally just bursts and weeps, it got me, dude. I I bawled actual man tears. It's Mm -hmm. crushing. Yeah. And And that's the whole premise is predicated on this is that she doesn't have access to that sadness that you need to be cathartic because it has been, man, it's been building up this whole time. And when she finally gets that out, man, oh, it'll just like tickle you. It'll just like, you're just over the top and and just getting that sadness in there and understanding the role of that. Oh, it's great. Thank goodness Pixar is wise enough to follow this up pretty quickly with the Girl, girl, girl. In the boy's brain later to give me at one of the laugh out loudest moments yeah. I've had in a movie in years yeah. to the point where this is the only time in any Sins video ever that I have <laughs> paused my sin writing to record my legitimate lingering laughter mm-hmm. at a funny moment <laughs> so that we can use it three weeks later when we make the actual video. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the rest of the movie is just kind of okay for me. But uh, I definitely don't ever want to miss those two scenes. Uh, thankfully for me, they both come near the end. So I can I can just skip the first three-fourths. Well, and they build it up really well. And again, they're not, they don't like, you know, sit there and tell you 
this is why she's mad this is why it's just i love me in that movie i love the scene where she's talking to her friend like on skype or whatever and her friend is sitting there saying we got this new girl on the <laughs> on the soccer team and she's awesome and all that yeah. she the her friend doesn't know that that's going to hurt her right but that feels like she's trying to hurt her and yeah. that's why she gets like super pissed at it and everything. that's why i love that scene so much is that it, there's not a scene afterwards where she goes oh yeah she thinks that girl's so great and blah 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 yeah. you know that bullshit that you would see in a lesser movie so yeah good good choices yeah what do you yeah. got i'm actually gonna stick with pixar and go with toy story three yeah oh. so i think jeremy said at one point that two is better than one and three is better than two but neither of them needed to exist yeah I agree with that, uh, but once you get into the ride of three, it's it's so creative and it's so much fun, and just in general, we know the whole you know the, the idea that Andy's getting older and the toys are going to be going from this place to this place to this place, uh, and and it goes through its typical narrative thing. And there's actually another one that I could put on a scene that I could put on this list where they just join hands when they're about to go into the incinerator. Oh, yeah, that's, I that's, that's what just, you were going to talk about. No, the one that that I get, and it may come from just having like a, a, a young son, is the very end scene oh, with Andy, yeah. where he drives over to this little girl's house and he gives her the toys. And he's made peace with it and everything's fine and, and she starts going through it. And then they find Woody at the very bottom of the box or at the very last bit. And uh, he makes that decision. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do one last ride. He plays with all the plays the crap out of those toys yeah. with her. And man, there's just unfiltered joy coming out. And then he takes off and I'm, I'm going to get choked up even just saying this. He drives. <laughs> ah, He drives off, man, to yeah. college. And it it just it, it's it's one of those great cathartic moments where even though it's sad, it's it, it makes you feel like good sad. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Good sad is hard to do right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this film does it perfectly. Mm -hmm. In fact, I thought you were gonna talk about the incinerator scene, so I made a mental note to bring out bring up the scene where he gives his toys away to let yeah. them continue to live on in their own world but also provide joy for another kid yeah and continue to being useful as toys um it's the perfect way to end that movie it's yeah. the perfect way to end that series which is exactly why they shouldn't make a fourth exactly one, which yeah. they're gonna do anyway yeah, yeah. they will because they're money whores at this point <laughs> um but they gotta uh, answer to shareholders baby yeah yeah they do um I'm going to continue down the, the sad road here and talk about the Green Mile, which we we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think, uh, for whatever reason. It was a, it might have been a projection story or whatever, but uh, I, I told how, like, during this one scene where Michael Clark Duncan, they, they know he hasn't, he didn't do the things that he's in jail for, that he's on death row for. They know he didn't do it now. Um, and hanks comes up and says let's try to get you a new trial and let's try to get you to do you know all this other stuff and michael clark duncan has seen so much pain mm -hmm. in this world that he doesn't want to live mm -hmm. anymore yeah and he said and he he gives that tearful you know like that whole thing to him that whole that whole thing where he's just sitting there going i've seen too much pain blah 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 he's crying all this, that was the scene by the way it was happening when 
you know, the projectionist his print flew off and everything was that scene. And he comes in with tears in his eyes and everything. And he's like, yeah, I'm watch the rest of the movie with you and everything. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that like, you're like, no, no, you don't deserve to die for this. This is not something that you did and everything, but he still wants to anyway. It's like, it's very hard to come to terms with. And well, that plus, I mean, just seeing a guy so sweet and so enormous and yeah. physically imposing just break down. Yeah. Oof. Ooh, yep. it's tough. Yeah, it's a very tough scene. And I and I and now that's not a scene that like made me break break up or anything. I think seeing the other guy come in like with tears <laughs> streaming down, I was, I started feeling it a little bit more than normal or whatever, but <laughs> You were uh, thinking, what an asshole. Yeah, what a dick. Came in here, interrupted my movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's one of them for me. All right. Well, I'll I'll step out of the pool of sadness for a <laughs> Okay, round, great. And I'll talk about that thing you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically, uh, that first time they hear their song on the radio. And they're all separate. But before the song's over, they've all come together at the hardware store where the drummer's dad works. Uh, and they're just so fucking giddy. You almost swear these actors actually recorded <laughs> yeah. a song that just made it onto the radio. I don't know what that would be like. I was in so many bands in high school and college, and I definitely had the dream of hearing a song that I wrote or played on the radio. But there are other movies that have done this. Like that thing you, uh, the thing called Love does this. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowhere near as good as this. This is just pure exuberant joy. <laughs> and it's played perfectly off the scowling, frowning dad who stands there disapproving while they're dancing with his cardboard standee <laughs> cutouts and whatnot. And the daughter who just realizing I'm going to have to do all this shit around here myself yeah. now. Um, it's just it's just magic. The way that it's shot and, and the way they all play that scene gives me goosebumps of happiness every time I watch it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'll step out of my pool of sadness, too. Because I've got two short ones, but two dance-related moments uh, that really Do you love dance. Yeah, man. I mean, so they're in two kind of similar, smaller movies. The first one is Napoleon Dynamite, mm -hmm. uh, where John Heater's character has really just been shat on and just marginalized the entire time that we've known him, and is just this wholly nerdy, just hardcore nerd, uh, socially inadequate, and he comes out to this talent show that he has no business being in and busts out this Chimiroquai song <laughs> and fucking kills it. And it's not, it's not just regular dance moves. I mean, he's doing like, you know, pulling himself over. Yeah. If you could see me right now, I'm dancing, but like, you know, he's got actual moves and he's wearing like snow boots and shit. Yeah. And it's a great moment in the movie where it's completely unexpected. And it just makes you cheer for him. It makes it just like say, Oh shit. Yeah. This is, this is great. And the other one is, a, a kind of a similar situation where uh, Abigail Breslin in Little Miss Sunshine, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> does does what you think is going to be like the big moment of the movie where she's going to come out and actually win this pageant. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. going to come out and do this wonderful dance, and it turns out it turns into a strip tease. Yes, that's where what she thinks is supposed to. She's, that's yeah. what's going to happen. So yeah. man, she's like taking off her pants yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. and I mean she's seven Working or eight yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And everybody freaks out. They're like, "What the hell is going on here?" The 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 uh, pageant official is, you know, indignant. And Greg Kinnear and Tony Collette and Steve Carell, everybody get gets on up on this stage and starts 
doing the crazy yeah. moves with her. Yeah. And it's this totally dysfunctional family that's been going through just all this crisis, all movie. And they come together and just have this pure joyous moment. And it's 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 great to see. That's that's one that gives me goosebumps. Oh yeah, too. that's that's a great. I yeah. love that scene. I just like one of the things I like most about it is that it's basically two great scenes. Yeah. It's the everyone being horrified at how sexually she's dancing because I don't even think her family knows. Like this is a no, no. routine her grandpa helped yeah. her to yeah. come up with. Israel into strippers. Um, and I, there's even that funny bit where they're interviewing her and like, where's your grandpa now? Oh, he's in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you get that shock part first and then the heartwarming feel good when the whole family says, fuck it, let's dance with her and yeah. embrace it. Uh, I really do like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, might as well just call this the Tom Hanks episode because Tom <laughs> Hanks keeps coming up. Uh, but uh, I've got two small ones, well, two real big ones actually, but easy to talk about. Apollo 13 which you know you know what happens in apollo 13 <laughs> you know they're coming back yep but ron howard in his best uh like directing ever yeah gets this to where you are in suspense as to whether this this uh, ship's gonna come back yeah and like the way he does it is amazing there's it's the the great little james horner notes that are going on mm -hmm. through all this that shot of the entire like control room looking at the screen like hoping yeah just you know that they'll be coming back and everything that is a scene that i have watched a hundred million times like it was when it went when i was at my old movie theater I used to go in i had to watch this mm -hmm. and then every time like and you see the capsule coming down and everything <laughs> like yes <laughs> yes they did it i wonder if that's how it happened in real life that's amazing everything is perfect like he 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 Waits on it like twenty percent longer than you think he's yeah. going to wait on it, and what what kills me about this is Gary Sinise going. Odyssey, this is Houston. Do you read me? Yeah, Odyssey, this is, and it's periodic, and like it just kind of marks the time for you. Mm -hmm. And then when he's just like Houston, this is Odyssey. Good to see you. Well, yeah, Man. and they've told you, you know, they've only got this window to get through here and everything. And they show the kid, they show his uh, the son at the school mm -hmm. or whatever, looking at the clock, going, "What gives? You know, <laughs> this isn't cool." But yeah, that scene is so well done. It's so great. You know, like you said, that very professional, like, you know, Odyssey is using blah, 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 mm. blah. Yeah, so it really does it. The other one, this is, I mean, this is easy as shit. Everybody likes the <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. And, you know, when he finally, when they show all of the things he did to get out, yeah. um, they have they have built this so well at this point. He, we know he, we know he didn't do it. We know that, you know, it, we don't know that he's been tunneling, but then like the big reveal, you know, they, oh, he's been tunneling all this time. We didn't know that. But then they show all the stuff, all the challenges he has after he tunnels it. He has to hit that pipe just a certain way. And then he has to get down into the sewage and everything and like, you know, crawl through all of that. And it was like, what, how many football fields or yeah, whatever? It's yeah. insane. But by the time he gets out, you know, and he's in that river or whatever, and he's like throwing all of his stuff off and he like, you know, does the big movie thing. I'm putting my arms in the air, man. <laughs> yeah. And that music, the Thomas Newman music going on through all that you're like fuck yeah man you got the fuck out of there that's yeah. amazing yeah. you know it's one of the most euphoric moments in movie history yeah because 
we didn't know he was tunneling, so it's a surprise. But it's not just that he's in prison wrongly. Mm-hmm. But he's been brutally raped and beaten for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, this dude's spirit is broken. This right. is literally it. Get out here, or I'll just be okay dying. Right. And when he makes it, that is maybe the only time a movie character has double raised their arms and fully earned it. Yeah. Where it wasn't just a little cheesy. Well, because right? f- that is exactly what I would fucking do. And a full rain scene too. Like yeah. just uh, you know, like this is you know, I mean, it's 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 everything that we think of as cliche in movies done right. You yeah. know, like it's so insane how amazing that scene is. All well, right. Well, uh. I, w- I was going to talk about something else, and I may still just, since you guys have both done doubles, but you talking about Apollo 13 reminded me of how much I love The End of the Martian, mm-hmm. which is vi- basically all the stuff you said I could say about this. Yeah. By this point in the movie, The Martian, you know he's not going to die. Right. They're not going to show you a two and a half hour movie about trying to save this fucker and then kill him at the end. Yeah, That's yeah. not <laughs> what Hollywood does. Right. Um, and yet, they have so many obstacles yeah. to go through and in the book it's even worse because in the book when he blows up the hab he loses contact with nasa mm-hmm. so and there's a whole sandstorm that could kill him that he's approaching that he doesn't know about mm-hmm. and then he <laughs> figures it out and he has to do this testing to drive back and forth to figure out which way the storm's moving and which way he should drive to get around he leaves rock messages for nasa so that they know he's not dead yeah uh, but even in the movie there are so many fucking hurdles uh, that when he cuts his hand on his suit to fly around like Iron Man, <laughs> um, and it plays that shimmering string, he's going up and up and up and wildly, and of course they miss hands, but he grabs the rope, and she just is saying, hold on, Mark, and she's trying to reel him in on this rope, and then that final moment when they get face-to-face, mm-hmm. and she says, I, I got him! Yeah. <laughs> and it cuts immediately to Kate Mara inside the <laughs> ship, and she has this look on her face like, Jesus must have done this. Yeah. Like, this is a miracle. Yeah. And and then it cuts, of course, back to the NASA control room, and some of them are weeping and some of them are cheering, but it also has great use of all the exterior footage of people in Times Square and all around the yeah, world yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who quite literally would be gathering to watch this event if it were actually happening. And a lot of times in movies, they'll gather people in Times Square to look at news shit on the screens, and it's, that would never happen. Yeah. Uh, here, that would happen. This would be a global-level event. Uh, but I... You know, I, I, you know, I overlove this movie. I've seen it probably 25 or 30 times now. And then she says, I got him. I still get chills every mm-hmm. single time. Oh, yeah. That's great. And that is what movies are supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. When you find a movie that does that for you, you just make it your security blanket. And mm-hmm. anyway, go yeah. on. I'll, I'll pivot again. I'm going to do two emotions with one movie. Okay. Uh, one is triumphant. One is hyper-stressed, hyper-anxious. And the movie is Whiplash. And in oh, Whiplash... Yeah. Man, that talk about a tough movie to watch for some yes. people. I love it. I've seen it. I, I can't tell you how many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part in it where J.K. Simmons, uh, who's this dictatorial uh, band leader in a in a jazz band in a in a huge music conservatory, uh, is just making everybody's lives a, mil- a living hell. And so when they do get Miles Teller's character in there as a drummer, he starts building him up and then taking him down and then building him up, taking him down again. There's a scene where, you know, there's always somebody on your heels. There's a, another drummer that's coming up behind you. And so he's got this trio of drummers that he's trying to do this song, oh, Whiplash. Yeah. And, and he's cycling through them. And he's like, you know, do the double time swing right here. And they do like two measures. And he's like, nope, next one up. 
And then they do it again. Next one up. Then they do it again. Next one up. And he excuses the whole band. He's like, we're going to be here until I can find myself a drummer. <laughs> and they go ba- until like one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. These cats yeah. are like, and man, they're, they're just, they're sweaty and they're exhausted and they're just raw and everything. And finally, Miles Teller plays it the exact way that, that uh, J.K. Simmons wants it. Mm-hmm. And then they have to rehearse yeah. after that. Yeah. And by the end of that scene, man, you're just, you're wiped. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you watch that? Because it's just people just going through hell. Yeah. And the last thing I think, uh, as far as being triumphant, is that last scene. Oh, so awesome. Where uh, J.K. Simmons is, is epically fucked Miles Teller from ever being a musician in New York again. Mm-hmm. And he just says, you know what? Fuck you. And he starts playing this incredible drum solo. Uh, and and he wins over J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Yep. At the end of it, uh, just by finding this gear that I guess he knew he always had, yeah, and he cues in the band and they start in on it, and that's that's where the movie. But this is long it. after J.K. Simmons is trying to get that out of him as like a teacher, right? Yeah. This is long like he fucks over J.K. Simmons, basically telling the truth. J.K. Simmons gets in trouble, but lands in this other prestigious job mm. directing. But this is not about trying to pull it out of Miles Teller at this point. Yeah. No. This is about revenge. <laughs> yeah. And when he tears him down and Teller goes off stage, I really did think that movie was over. Yeah. And I thought, I, I was still thought it was amazing. But then the turnaround and come back where it's almost Tin Cuppian, mm-hmm. where Miles Teller is like, I can do this. Yeah. And even if I'm never going to get a job doing it, I'm going to prove to your fucking ass I can do it yeah. right now. And it, you're right. He wins him over in the course of a drum solo. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I and mean, it's pure. When he he that won first, him over pure. Yeah, when he hits that first percussive beat and he goes, Dun! and it, you can see him just startle. Yeah. You know, he's like, what the fuck is just happening? Yeah. And, and that's where it starts to just, you know, completely change his worldview. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if this is, is this cheating? Because this feel I'm going to do a TV show. No, it's not cheating. Yeah, do you? And and the reason why is there's very few things that have actually made me cry in a in a movie. Like it's because even, you're made of stone. I'm made mm-hmm, of stone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um and so like, uh, but this episode of Futurama has has come on. <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen this several times and, and, and a lot of times because of the, you know, what we do a lot of times we're like messing around with scripts and stuff like that. I'll have it on comedy central while I'm doing script stuff or whatever. And they play Futurama like, uh, you know, mm. all through the afternoon. So this episode, a lot of times it'll come on and I'm like, Nope, not watching this one <laughs> because it's just too much. It puts you through too much of an emotional ringer. But the, uh, the episode is called Jurassic bark. And, uh, and the, and Fry, we find out that, uh, you know, Fry goes to like a museum at the beginning and he sees his old dog that he used to have when he was living back in 1999. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, like uh, that was my old dog. And the professor says, hey, I can possibly come bring him back to life. So the whole episode is trying to get this dog back to life and everything. Now, Bender, who is his who's Fry's friend, hates the idea that Fry has somebody other than him that would be his best friend and everything. So Bender tries to sabotage this every chance he gets. And like the very first thing he does is like, he gets a robot dog or whatever. And like, that's like, he's pretending like, you know, that's his best friend now and all that. (coughs) Then it becomes actual sabotage. Like the, during the whole, like, you know, bring the dog back to life thing. He keeps on like messing with something to make it to where that doesn't work. But then of course there's always some like, thing that the professor comes up with and says i can still i can still bring this you know dog back to life now in between all of this we're going back in time and we're seeing 
Fry's relationship to this dog, who's like a homeless dog. He's like hanging around the pizza place. It becomes their like unofficial like mascot dog or whatever. He's never really got a home. He just lives at the pizzeria or whatever. So we see all these different things like, you know, and uh, of course, the the way the series starts off is he goes to that cryogenic thing and it's a it's a prank call for his pizza or whatever. <laughs> and he gets caught into that that uh that you know the cryogenic freezer thing or whatever um and then you know we see like all the years and years go will go by <laughs> whatever well on the very day that this happens he tells the dog stay here i'll be right back uh he goes in he does the cryogenic freeze thing the dog actually goes through all this lassie type shit to, to find him he actually knows where fry is but can't communicate that to the family uh-huh. or anything like that so like so like the dog is helpless to to get for to get his best friend back. So it gets back to the future again and like the like now the dog is like uh, I mean like there's Bender's completely ruined it it feels like. But uh but the professor says like oh he's made of dolomite. We can totally still bring him back to life and all this other <laughs> stuff and they're like yes. So he goes, he runs through all these calculations. Bender's finally on board. He's like all right, go ahead and and do this. Um, and the professor's like, well, it seems, it says here that he died at the age of 15. So he had 12 years of life after Fry left him and whatever. And Fry's like, stop, don't do it. He had a long life without me. I don't need to bring him back. It's the mature decision for Fry to do that. You know, he finally, you know, made the right thing. Oh yeah. He had a long life without me. He doesn't need to see me again. The mood, the, the thing cuts to, 15 years or hundreds of years ago or whatever like the thousands of years ago back to the dog in front of the pizzeria waiting for fry and there's this like i will wait for you and it's like him like just in front of the pizzeria and it's like one of those time lapse things like all this and he's just and just like just sitting there like waiting 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 every time somebody comes by he's like excited and everything and then the very last scene is him like just an old dog he like just slumps down on the sidewalk and the credits hit (laughs) it's just i every time this episode comes on i i mean it's just it streams down because the way they do it is so it's so well done it doesn't feel like a regular it doesn't feel like a tv show it doesn't feel like a cartoon this feels like some real shit you know oh my god and it's one of the it's it's definitely the saddest thing i've ever seen (laughs) <laughs> That's and it came from futurama sad. it came from futurama oh my yeah. god yeah well we should end the segment on that we could <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I do have a, a happy one go for the happy let's, one let's end it we'll on have a happy the happy one. ending but, so did you guys ever see the uh computer animated horton hears a who yeah with jim carrey and yeah uh, yeah steve carell yeah bad day steve carell um <laughs> So I went to see this with my wife in the theater. I loved this book growing up. This was probably one of my favorite books as a kid. Um, <clears throat> movie's not great, not bad. You know, it's probably a B, B plus maybe. The first movie I ever saw in digital projection. And mm. holy shit, did the colors pop and mm. make me feel like I was on drugs. <laughs> but there's a moment in the middle of this movie where Horton, the elephant, is crossing a very sketchy wooden bridge. And... Uh, Steve Carell's character, one of the little people on the 
puffy thing that yeah. Horton is carrying, the little flower. The dandelion? Yeah. yeah. Um, is at the dentist's office in the town that lives on this tiny little thing. And the ruckus caused by Horton trying to run across this bridge causes a jarring earthquake in the town that leaves Steve Carell's character with the Novocaine in his left arm <laughs> instead of in his mouth. <laughs> But he also realizes there's a problem with Horton. They've been communicating. And so he runs out of the doctor or dentist's office. But hilarity ensues the whole way. He's slapping people on accident with his dead hand. He's getting it caught in doors. But it cuts back and forth between him and Horton. And there's one moment in particular where he's running with his dead arm. And it cuts back to Horton. And Horton is not traveling in any direction. But his legs are going like he's doggy paddling and wood is just dropping from underneath him as the bridge is drawn towards him. But his little doggy paddle runs are keeping him in place. Every time I see it, I almost cry laughing every time. It's just the visual of him kind of cartoon hovering in the air with his hopes dashing as the bridge collapses. I freaking love it. Anyway, that's a little happier note to end on. There you go. Okay, so we're going to the Q&A now? Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, First question uh, coming from our subreddit page. You know where to go. Uh, Go ahead and leave your questions there. It's pinned up at the top. We'll we'll check them out. Uh, The first one is, I'm curious what you guys think are the best examples of this role brought out the absolute best from a normally mid-level actor or actress. For example, Kate Hudson totally nailed the role of Penny Lane and deservedly was nominated for an Oscar for it, but the rest of her career isn't exactly littered with brilliant performances. Any others jump out at you? And I think this is a great question. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I actually put too many answers down (laughs) that don't qualify now that I've heard you reread the question. Uh I've got enough that do. And the first one that came to mind, ironically, when I read this question was Ben Foster in 310 to Yuma. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, a lot of 310 to Yuma is carried by Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe is sort of a charming villain. Christian Bale is a distrusting, more reserved farmer. So the role of the actual evil or the evil dialogue and delivery kind of falls on Ben Foster. It's basically Russell Crowe's right-hand man leading the gang, trying to find and then get Russell Crowe back from these basically constables that are taking him to the train to take him to prison. And... I had seen Ben Foster and stuff before that. I've seen him and stuff after. I think he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to suggest with this pick that he usually sucks. That's like I don't think Kate Hudson usually sucks. But Penny Lane was basically written for her to play that. Yeah. This is the case here. When I saw the, him in this movie, I was like, I had no idea this guy had this much charisma. And he is just seething yeah. with evil. Like, Russell Crowe is his boss, but he's got some humanity. Ben Foster's character has not. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just a great dichotomy, uh, play back and forth between their two styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just lights up that movie. And I, I, I never really thought of him as a serious actor until that. Yeah. But I do now. He, mm-hmm. he does play a lot of the same type of dude in, in a lot of these movies. Like and, and a lot of times, I'll pop in something and I'll be like, oh, I forgot he was in this. Yeah. But he's great in Hell or High Water, which came out this year. Okay. Uh, which is something you you want to see. So I I would I would say that 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 shows the promise that he had in three ten to Yuma at least 
uh, later on. But that is a good pick because it, up until Howl or Howl Water, it was a lot of times it's like, he's good. Yeah. I just forgot that he was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to go with a second banana in a Western also. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pick is Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Oh. And I don't say this to do fighting words with uh, with Jeremy anymore about who the best Doc Holliday was. Uh, but you can't argue that he turns in a great performance. It's one this. of his best of, of, of an entire career. Yeah. What's funny is I almost picked Val Kilmer for a completely different movie. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? For The Doors. Oh, oh yeah. really? Uh, because I feel like he's transcendent there becoming Jim Morrison in a way that I don't see in his other work. But I do see that same talent here. I yeah. mean, again, I never wanted to shit on Tombstone <laughs> or Val Kilmer's performance. I just felt like it was glossier and showier. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he, he reaches down to... A characterization, Jim Morrison. I, I see what you're what you're saying with that, but it's I would say much easier to play Jim Morrison <laughs> than it is, you know, Doc Holliday in in this sort of way, um, because he's just so broad and over the top and drugged and all that stuff. Not to say it's not a good performance, no. but I think he goes he goes to much bigger extremes in this. And the interesting thing is, after this, besides Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Man, where's this guy been? You know, where has mm-hmm. this actor of this caliber been after Tombstone, really? Yep. You know? Well, and he's another one of those guys, we've mentioned it before, who's got a reputation. Yeah, yeah. He's a dick. Yeah. And so, like, uh, it's been hard for him to find the work that, you know, typically, he'll probably have a comeback at some point. Mm-hmm. Be a Birdman type comeback for Val Kilmer. That I'm would sh- rock. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure at some point, because he's got the capability of doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just that. He he's just got this reputation with a lot of people, and yeah, that's just the way it goes. And a lot of people don't work with that guy. Um, uh, since you guys went with two guys, I'll go with a uh, with a with a girl. Two guys and a girl. Good show. Um, Sharon Stone in Casino. Oh, what a great oh. performance! Yeah, she is great. In, in fact, I don't think she has done anything near that before or after. No. I would agree. Like even approaches that in Casino, and it kind of goes to show. When you are in a Martin Scorsese movie, it brings the best out of everybody. I actually had Mark Wahlberg written down, too, as for The <laughs> Departed, because I feel like he's different in that than anything else oh, that he's sure. ever done, because usually Mark Wahlberg, he's, he's Mark Wahlberg. Um, but Sharon Stone in Casino is just, oh, she's such... <laughs> She's such a bitch in this movie. Yeah, and you know? intense, too. And I don't mean to say that, like, you know, in that way, but it's, she is. She's mm. such a bitch in this movie. And, like, uh, and I think she's, this is the perfect character for Robert De Niro to play off of. And with all the stuff he's got going on, he basically buys her, you know. Yeah. And, and, and then she's ungrateful. She doesn't, doesn't care. Do you think actors love playing characters on cocaine? Oh, yeah. I think they so. had to because some of the greatest performances have been on, and, or, the, and, or the biggest performances have been on characters that are on. And cocaine. it may even give them an excuse to do it. Too, yeah, you know, maybe that just kind of like opens a governor's cap or something like that, yeah, where they like can go for it, do some real method stuff. You know, speaking the, of the Departed, like where he throws like a baseball diamonds worth of cocaine on the bed and <laughs> says to that girl, "Don't move to yeah, the no." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, that that would be my pick out of that cuz she's never been. I mean, and even in this year she's in the two movies that I think she's the best in, Quick and the Dead and mm-hmm. seen Quick and the Dead, she's not great by mm-hmm. any means, but she's serviceable. Um but uh but yeah, that's a great in casino anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we're going to go two rounds on this one because it's quick and it's fun. What are the best action one-liners? Okay. Man, we could go all day on this. I yes, bet. we could. Okay, so my answers are not going to be appropriate because I'm not going to give you the best ones. I'm giving you my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the best ones might even be a little overdone at this point, right? Um, so <laughs> one of my favorites, actually two uh, in back-to-back scenes from The Untouchables, and they're both kevin costner who never gets a chance really to say badass lines <laughs> but he's chasing nitty up on the roof and he's got him arrested and nitty decides to start taunting him because he had killed sean connery he's like your friend he died squealing like a stuck irish pig <laughs> and costner turns and speed runs him up to the edge of the wall and throws him off the roof yeah mm-hmm. uh and as he's falling, Costner goes, did he sound anything like that? <laughs> uh, and it's just so fucking perfect. And then, of course, the next scene, uh, Andy Garcia asks him, hey, where's Nitty? And Costner's like, in the car. Because yeah. he landed <laughs> yeah. in a yeah, car yeah, yeah. very grotesquely. Uh, but I, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this question was, did he sound anything like that? <laughs> That's a great one. So uh, I, I agree. I'm not going to go with like the, the stereotypical ones where everybody knows these. But one of the best moments uh, to me in, in, in this buildup in Braveheart uh, to one of the mm. big battle scenes is not like they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom, which is a great line. But my favorite one is where they're just getting ready to go and he's all agitated. He's like a ball player ready to go mm-hmm. hit somebody. And uh, so he, he gets ready to ride down there to the, the meeting place. And the guy goes, uh, what do you... Uh, where are you going? And he goes, to pick a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he gets these, uh, you know, he's got that, uh, that crazy Mel Gibson eyes yeah. where he's just like, I'm ready to go, man. Let's let's make this happen, you know? I, I love it. I yeah. don't know why I always think about this with action one-liners. And this isn't really a line. It's just one word. And it's in Star Trek Generations. <laughs> oh, um, wow. <laughs> deep cut. Deep cut. Uh, but I always enjoyed this because it's just the way it's delivered. So... In, in this, of course, they're fighting Klingons again, because that's what you do when you're in Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, and and the, the Klingons, of course, have that stupid thing that they've done. And they did in, uh, I believe it was Star Trek 2 as well, where like they can't cloak and have shields at the same time yeah. <laughs> or whatever, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it's, hey, you got to kill the Klingons somehow, right? <laughs> and uh, But there's... Um, so there's this whole buildup to it. The Klingons are kicking their ass, man, just blowing them away all over the place. But they've got Data, where he's got the emotional chip in him and everything. And he's like, he got Riker goes over to him and he's like, "Do you think there's a way that we can get to, to you know, we can uh, attack this ship or whatever?" It's like, "Well, if we send the pulse this way, it'll make it, their ship think it's cloaking again and all that." And he's like, runs over like happily over to this like <laughs> board and he's like, "I can do this anytime or whatever." And like, um, but so like. Uh, data gets it going and uh and so like he goes back to the klingon ship and it says and they're all like we're cloaking and it's like our shields are down and the camera just kind of pans over to Riker, and he's like fire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all that just like that disdain and i've had enough of this all just like all in one word you know and he's just fire you know nice. and it's the best fire i've seen in like everything else is like fire yeah. fire william shatner fire you know and this one is like got all the like i've That's had so enough funny I, just yesterday or maybe even this morning i was watching it was this morning i was watching the best of both worlds 
Star Trek Next Generation episode on the BBC, mm-hmm. which is an episode where Picard is kidnapped by the Borg and becomes Lucius. Oh, yeah. And it's a cliffhanger. And the first yeah. one ends, we're being hailed by the Borg, sir, and it's Picard yeah. who gives them the resistance is futile uh-huh. joke, and it cuts to Riker, and he goes, fire. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. So they probably got yeah. inspiration probably for the movie. So, from yeah. this. Wow. All right, so my other one, I'm also going to do a deep cut in, in the sense that this is not a movie you would think I would ever refer you to for anything positive, uh, but it's Bad Boys 2. Ah. <laughs> in that that humongous chase scene where they commandeer a vehicle that Dan Marino, the football player, is test driving, <laughs> and it's this Chrysler, it feels like a cheesy product placement cameo moment, and that's it, probably all it is. But like eight minutes later in the chase, after they've gone through all kinds of shit and bullet holes and wrecks, and Will Smith just casually goes, Dan Marino should definitely buy this car. <laughs> <laughs> he like floors it. And it's just a, a great like way to reap more laughter out of what could have just been a throwaway moment. <laughs> that has always made me laugh every time I've ever seen it. Even I just think about it, it makes me giggle. That's good timing. Yeah, I, I'm going to... Pick something from a movie called Pitch Black, which we didn't, oh, didn't really yeah. talk about that much. Uh, it's a fun movie. It's yeah, about it is. you know uh, these monsters that come out when the sun goes down in this planet and everything. And Vin Diesel is in it. it this is Riddick, the character that comes back in the yeah. Chronicles of Riddick and everything. And in Riddick, and uh, you know he's introduced as this just this badass man, and and this group of people that are stringed together are, are uh, going on this journey, and uh, these alien bugs attack. And, uh, you know, you don't expect him to you know rescue him because he's a prisoner, basically. And he comes in and just annihilates this alien, <laughs> just completely eviscerates him. <laughs> and he takes a beat and he goes, did not know who it was fucking with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a Vin Diesel thing to say. Like of he, course, devoid of all emotion that yeah, I put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll, I'll also go in more of the traditional one-liner thing, and it's because it's so silly, but it's it's satisfying. It's in speed. Um, Keanu Reeves is You're almost all- apologizing for it. Yeah, it's in speed. It, because it, it means... Oh, and I love speed. We talked about that before. I love speed, and, 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 and the drugs, too. I love um, speed! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Uh, on the on the top of the train, they're sitting there wrestling around and everything, and then Dennis Hopper finally gets the upper hand, and he's like, because I'm a man with a plan, because I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. And then, like, Keanu, like, pushes him up, and his, you know, Dennis Hopper's head gets lopped off by, like, a, a hanging light from the <laughs> ceiling of the tunnel or whatever, and Keanu Reeves gets up, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm taller. <laughs> 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 and you're sitting there like, oh yeah, yeah I can get behind that. I can get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit. man! All right, that'll be the episode for this week. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your uh, comments and um, whatever you want to do. Just give us something. Tell yeah, us how we can good. have a conversation. Can have a conversation. Yeah, man. Good or bad, whatever. Um, but uh, I'll be it uh, for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sheriff. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.
Shit, about Schmidt. Schmidt came out. Anyway. About Schmidt is great. Yeah. yeah if you want to see what's her name naked. Yeah, Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my big frack <laughs> and my big fat Greek wedding came out. Um anyway, what's the uh, order again? Bakufa. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Isn't Macaulay Culkin in this movie? Uh, maybe. No, no, no. no, no, no. That, was, that was Party, party, party Monster. Party Monster. Yeah. yeah, which is the the same type of yeah, which is actually a terrible movie. Party Monster. Yeah, I yeah. watched that movie. No. Speaking of flanking on names, god damn it! A Spanish guy who's in all the little movies. Javier Bardem? <laughs> no. You know, he's the guy who answers the phone in Boogie Nights. And, no, that's no. Oh, Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. All right, so he's in it. Because I can't remember who actually did win that year um, off the top of my head. Whoever directed Crossroads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the last, last week I said that it was hostile. That, uh, that well, you quit- did really because I was edited out. What? That was edited out. Did I not? Yeah. Oh, shit. It didn't happen. Well, in, I guess you're going to be editing this out now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, I just don't like it. I, like everything that I listen to when he's doing a duet is my least favorite part of that. Great voice, though, right? The, the, but yeah, the yeah. exact opposite is true. No. Like in that duet with Megan Trainer. I disagree. I think he's the worst part of that duet. Ooh. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh. oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you like the movie Chicago? No. Okay, good. Because for a second there, we were just going to have to fight. Because <laughs> I hate that fucking movie. The agenda. A sheet, a sheet, I slit upon a slitted sheet, I sit. Mm. What the hell is that? A dangerous limerick thing from my youth. <laughs> wow. I slit a sheet, a sheet, I slit upon a slitted sheet, I sit. Wow. You mess it up. Wow. There's like eight different ways you can say shit if you mess it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you never heard that before. No, I've never heard it either. That's, that's kind of awesome. But that's awesome that you're able to navigate your way through it like nothing. You have heard the seashell, sea, she sells seashells thing, right? Yeah. It's just another one of those, only there was a string of them that like flirted with you cussing if you messed them up. And for, as a preacher's kid, I was really drawn to those. <laughs> <laughs> and like he was a, something, something long ago. <laughs> the only thing I remember is long ago. Long ago. That's like you were drowned. Long ago, Christopher McDonald and Quizsha. Oh, when he's about to go out, he has this little exercises he does. Ah, and um, and one of them is something when I was drowned long ago. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Have you ever heard that song? Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Lamplight trimmed and burning. It's like an old gospel song. Can you give me a little bit of it? Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. No, it's not, that sounded a little bit like a David Bowie song, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way you delivered it. <laughs> no, I don't know that one. But I do know, uh, give me oil for my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Yeah, yeah. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. Hallelujah. Give, okay, let's stop. <laughs>